some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Yeah, I'm a little bit upset over the Robert Quinn thing. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just another one of those, just a small blemish on the GM and stuff. But I'm still optimistic, but I, I can't. Man, I, I understand he wants to be at the winner and stuff, but fuck, man. Let's make the Bears the winner, for fuck's sake. Well, why do you blame the GM? Or you say it's a blemish? It's just a small blemish. I'm not saying it's his fault. I mean, obviously, the player is the one who's getting paid nicely and uh, decided to hold out, and I guess they can fine him for these three days uh, if that's the way they want to do it. I'm not saying he's at fault for it. I'm just saying it's just another one of those little bit of jabs, uh, little prick, you know, that's happened uh, at chipping away at the honeymoon armor. Yeah. Well, it tells me one of two things, or maybe three things. One is he probably doesn't want to play for the Bears, and by not being at camp, He's basically saying, please trade me. And so I'm hoping we'll get some news from uh, uh, Iberflus tomorrow. Whether He could be a captain tomorrow. We don't know. But if he's not, maybe we'll get some news that Poles has told him, yeah, he wants to seek a trade, and, and perhaps that's announced. But if he's not there for two days, straight days, you know, uh, actions speak a lot of the words, right? The other thing is – you know, remember when he first came to the Chicago Bears, he had a terrible season and he disclosed last year in camp that he was having some 
mental health issues. And so maybe he's fallen into a funk. And so I hope that's not the case. But if he's back there again, you know, um, he, hopefully the Bears can get him some help and uh, he can come back and play at the level that he did or, or you know, or maybe there's some, some other place that can help with his mental health and a trade can be accommodated. You know, do, do you suspect that maybe he might be ill? I, I mean, there's no way that I would be able to authenticate that or corroborate that. However, it seemed to be that his problem stemmed, and boy, do I relate, with the divorce a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's still unwell. I guess it's a possibility. But if I had to bet my money, mm-hmm. I would put it in the, the he wants to be traded, and this is a tactic to help get, get him moved uh, from Quinn's perspective. And uh, I guess his trade value is never going to be higher. Mm-hmm coming off of that season, but the bears obviously need help, uh, you know, <laughs> generating sacks. So I can see the Bears saying, no, we've paid you nicely. We want you here and you're playing here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ball's in the bears court. Mm-hmm. It, you know, what, what's he going to do? Sit out at 32. Yeah. He, he highly unlikely that he'll do that. If he does it, it, it probably is because he's just doesn't want to play anymore, but he sounded like a guy that wanted, wants to play uh, at the end of the season. And I think he had an interview during the off season sounded like a guy. I mean, he, he did have an interview during the off season. I should have pulled out some highlights of that because he said, yeah, it wasn't ideal that they traded Khalil it wasn't ideal, but I'm ready to go. And so, you know, uh, hopefully he still feels that way. And maybe, you know, this is all can be explained because he got a flat tire or something. Who knows? Um, and as let's listen to what uh, the coach said about Quinn's absence. He started the press conference with this announcement. Well, Robert Quinn was not here uh, present today at mandatory minicamp. Uh, we're not talking about that as an organization. Obviously, we, we hoped he would be here. He's not. Uh, Ryan and his staff are going to work through that. I really don't have any other any comment other than that. Have I communicated with him? Sure. Yeah, I've talked to him over with some happy birthday a few a few weeks ago, and we've talked to him. But uh, other than the, in terms of being here, not being here, I'm going to leave that all up to Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think he's uh, Iberflus is handling that the correct way. This is a, a player issue, and that's the general manager handles that. I have talked to him. I stayed in communication with him, so. I don't think it's an Eberflus issue. It's uh, something that Poles has to uh, get to work on because he's missing valuable practice time. Obviously, at his position, basically what he's going to be asked to is see quarterback, tackle quarterback. Uh, but there are some you know, new variations on things and, and uh, some scheme things that he could really benefit from. And the young players would love to see him there. Um, Eddie Jackson was asked about it and he says, you know, Robert is Robert. He'll be fine when he shows up. And I know that he will, he'll be ready to rock and roll. So hopefully it's not a big deal, Dan. Well, let's hope it could be one of those distractions, uh, heading into the, uh, to July though. I mean, you know, you don't know. Yeah. If he doesn't show up for camp in July, then we got a problem. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully that's not going to be the case. He will either, uh, uh, give the Bears assurances that he will be there for camp or uh, he will be moved. And uh, I was talking to Vinny Parisi, and actually the conversation started with Olin Krutz on- online. I said, you know, maybe we can move him for an offensive lineman. And Olin sort of rightly said, you're not going to find a lot of takers for a 32-year-old pass rusher. 
but you know, Von uh, Von Miller was traded last year for, uh, and he's about 31, 32. So there are teams that would love to have a guy who's a 18 coming off an 18 sack season and is a pass rushing specialist. Um, I did some quick research and Dalton Risner, the offensive guard from the Denver Broncos. I met him down at the senior bowl. He's a guy that plays with that Olin Crutes intensity. He's a guy that buries his uh, blocks. He, he takes his opponents down to, uh, to the turf. He's got a mean streak, but a super nice guy, smart guy. His first two seasons with the Broncos, he played very well. He did have a relapse last season as uh, he gave up five of his seven sacks in his career. He gave up five last year. Now there's a new offense uh, being run at, at Denver. And so he may be an odd man out because they may not want to sign him to a long-term contract because his contract is up after the season. So why not a Quinn for Risner trade and give that offensive line the right guard that they're looking for and and uh, and and depth and maybe there there's draft capital involved, but uh, I think that there there is a possibility that can they can move Robert Quinn uh, for an offensive lineman. It's not easy because it rarely happens, especially at this point of the season. Those trades, those types of trades, happen more in season or during camp. You know, when an injury happens to a pass rusher or stuff like that. But it, it is possible that they can acquire an offensive lineman which uh, is an area of concern for this team. You got any thoughts on that? <laughs> we, we need a right guard at this point. I think uh, one of us is going to have to start a right guard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, Actually, that reminds me, I, w I was told or asked to bring this up with you mm -hmm. from our man uh, Sanjin Jovanovich. My man. Yeah, he was referencing, you know, everyone talks about this other platform that Adam Hogue has, the CHGO or whatever. Yes. I've never listened to that. First off, I'll read you his question, then maybe you can explain to me what the hell that is. Uh, but he wanted me to uh, get your thoughts on uh, this thing where they basically said that Jenkins is going to be second string, but all this is based on like one practice. Should we panic? He wanted you to elaborate on that. And I just, I still don't know what CH. GO is, I guess. It's uh, an acronym for Chicago, I believe. Oh, I got that. I yeah, got that. <laughs> but that's that. That's all it is. It's the name of their uh, podcast webcast network, I believe, their website. I don't. I don't so, think there's anything behind it other than it's a shortened version of Chicago. But what I meant was, it's not on FM. Then it's a podcast. Then, yes, right? yes. You can only get it online. Uh, that, so he does Hogue and Johns and that one. Yes. Yeah, I think he does, you know, and, and he writes, I think, still for, for I, I forgot if Hogue writes for WGN still or what, but I think he's still writing somewhere. Um, but I'll tell you this about uh, Jenkins. Now it is last week and today um, Jenkins has been with the second stringers and Iberflus was asked about that. This is his response. Well, I would say that, you know, remember we said we were going to do six practices in the beginning. We're going to finish off this way. So we're going to finish off the rest of the minicamp with this alignment. And then we'll decide at the end, hey, we like this alignment, that alignment. Or like I said, don't like either one. Let's go with a new one. And uh, so we're just assessing guys' talents, assessing their skill level, and going forward from there. Can you, can you afford to be that fluid when, once you start training camp? Or do you want people in their spot? Well, that's a good point, and 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 to and to that point, you want to start honing it down, and and you know, guys, you know, 
getting the same looks all the time. Hey, I'm playing right guard. I'm playing right tackle and getting the same looks, the same you know, mechanics, so to speak, the technical mechanics that play the position. And uh, we want to hone that down. The sooner the better. And we just don't have the answers right now. So, so. a player like Braxton Jones, whatever, is at that position at the start of training camp. Is it that much harder for him to lose that job once he's there when pads are on and stuff like that? I mean, uh, I wouldn't say that. I would say we're evaluating each day, and we're going to find the best five for us going into the first game. And that's a build-up process, and we're just trying to find the combinations right now. And then, like I said, we'd like to find them sooner than later. And, and when we do that, we'll start repping it that way and, and do what's best for the Bears. Dan, uh, that was a good question by Norm Potash at that press conference. He's, he asked, can you afford to be that fluid? And so uh, Ibrufloos responded, no, we would like to have our, our, our starting five set. That's basically what he said. So the fact that Jenkins hasn't proven that he is one of those five uh, at this point, that to me is concerning. That, to me, tells me let's continue to take a look at some of these other guys because they may be outplaying Tevin Jenkins right now. Uh, it, it could mean, you know, we like these other guys. We want to give them an opportunity. We have confidence in Jenkins that he can move into the starting position. But I'm a little bit more concerned about Jenkins not automatically sticking like glue with that starter unit and that being – out of the question. We know he's at right tackle. He's going to stay at right tackle for the season. Um, and the fact that they're still playing around with combos tells me that, that there's an issue there. What do you think? You've sold me on your opinion. It, it is <laughs> troublesome. And it just, it felt like, I mean, I know he, he struggled, but he was thrown into the absolute lion's den last year on like first snaps ever on a primetime game. Mm-hmm. Monday Night Football, and I just thought, you know, this guy is going to be all right once he gets more playing time. I really am disappointed because from listening to him talk and his demeanor, I, I was rooting for him, and maybe he can still ultimately succeed, but this does make you think, is this another one of those Ryan Pace picks where you're like, man, it was a fucking bust. Yeah, I mean, we've got a history of drafting offensive linemen in the first and second round who don't turn out, uh, you know, you, you're better at recalling these names than me, but Gabe you know, Karimi, Gabe Karimi, Chris Williams, Chris Williams. Jeez. And what about the guy that got hurt again? Always forget his name now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he got hurt in 02 and then went to Dallas. Colombo, Mark Colombo, Mark was, Colombo. Yeah, was there you go. He, he played okay with Dallas. Yeah, he did, he, but he, 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 he immediately got injured with the Bears, and he just couldn't rebound Stan Thomas. Thank you, dude. Oh, my man. God. <laughs> man, oh, man. It's, One it, of yeah. the biggest busts of all time, Stan Thomas. <laughs> it's in our DNA. Yes, if you're a Bears fan for more than And Denkin was still coached then. That's right. He, he, he wanted Stan Thomas. I think that was uh, one of the issues. But uh, 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 Justin Fields doesn't seem as concerned. He was asked what his concern level is. I'm not in a rush. Uh, I think we have a lot of time. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's whoever does the job the best, you know, it's, it's going to be the best fit for us. So I'm, I'm not really in a rush to see who's playing what position on the O-line. So I think right now it's all about, you know, us developing, uh, us learning the system, and us, you know, getting better each and every day. That's glad, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. that. That was sort of the theme at today's press conference that, you know, 
we're, we're still working on things, guys. You know, don't worry. You know, this is like the embryonic stage of this new team. We're going to get it all together. We're going to get our guys and so forth. And so it was nice to hear Justin echo that he's not concerned along with some of the players and, and uh, not so much Eberflus, but uh, I, I, that was kind of the theme among the players that talked, and I'll have more sound to, to, to uh, uh, talk about that. But I don't know, man. I, um, I, I, you know, I've been a Chicago Bears fan since the late '60s, and this has always been a fucking problem with this team. They just can't land effective uh, starters. It's been very few times in 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 errors. You you could pick errors where the Bears had terrible offensive lines, where they had um, um, missing holes on the offensive line, and then very very few where they had the starting five that was outstanding and. Uh, you know, we might be there for at least the 2022 season. You with me? I'm with you, but I'm still trying to be optimistic. <laughs> That's why you're not saying anything. <laughs> I don't know what to say because my mindset says don't give up yet, you fuck. <laughs> well, but don't, don't give up. Uh, but, but every time but. something, every time we have audio <laughs> or, well, this was a presser today or we got news, it's all, it's been negative. It has. <laughs> Considerably negative and negative and negative. <laughs> Uh, before the draft, after the draft, like uh, at this point, these guys deserve something to go right. Yes, you're absolutely right. I got more negative too. <laughs> uh, I think this was Adam Oak asked the question, you know, hey, uh, to Eberflus, you know, we haven't been to every practice, but the ones that we've seen, you know, you, you've told us that the offense is looking good, but the practices that the media has been allowed to see it really hasn't been that way and one of the things is you've talked about fields getting rid of the ball quickly and we have not seen that we've seen him like run around because the pressure was on him we we uh we've seen you know him holding the ball for a long time what's up with that i would just say that you know we're continuing to work on getting better at everything the footwork, the timing, um, and just keep working on that. You know, and I think a little bit of that is because you don't have so much play pass uh, in this, uh, you know, setting here because you're not really running the ball. It almost becomes almost like a passing camp at times because you're working on your passing game because of the way the nature of the business, right? You got helmets on, you got shells, you really can't focus on that. So I think those windows will become more clear and more open once we get the pads on. Uh, so I'm excited about seeing that. It's a good explanation. I mean, this is you know, they're working kinks out. They're working on things. You know, people in the chat room are saying they don't they don't even have pads yet. Yet, just like Ibraflu said, so we shouldn't look into it too much. But uh, again, man, I like you. I'd like to hear more good news coming out of these OTAs and and mini camps. <laughs> yeah, at least it felt like Fields was improving, mm -hmm. and may and I still think he's going to. But it's yeah. just. Another one of those things like, oh, well, actually, maybe that was a lie, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Justin himself was asked, you know, are you ready for the season to start? And I've edited this together with some uh, Darnell Mooney uh, uh, sound bites to uh, amplify what Justin says here when he was asked, are, are you ready for the season to start? No. <laughs> ready for the season to start. Um, you know, I'm the type of guy to, you know, like to know that I'm prepared. So um, right now, I'm just being honest. We're, we're not ready to play a game right now. So, um, uh, but and when that time comes, we will be ready. So 
right now? No, I'm not. I don't think we're we're super comfortable because uh, we're still, you know, learning the actual uh, playbook and uh, getting everything. You know, some guys have their own type of – you get the terminology, but you also get your own type of terminology, how you can uh, memorize a play or memorize a route. So you still have guys that, that, that are doing that. I do that as well. I mean, maybe the play call is this, but in my mind I put this play in – a type of type of you know category for me, and um, just getting that all and uh, getting the whole playbook in, and just you know putting in some own terminology. So we're not not that that we're not there, but we're getting there at least. Are you at least seeing the potential of what this offense can be? Are you already seeing that? With oh yeah, of course. You know, just you know with the concepts we we have with the uh, you know players we have I mean I think everybody's catching on pretty quick and like I said they're throwing a lot at us right now so um, as long as we can you know manage to you know do everything right or do most of everything right and not make the same mistake again um, I think we'll be just fine when that when that time comes around I mean, does it feel like a work in progress right now oh yes for sure especially from you know from the beginning to now it's it's uh definitely put a smile on a lot of people's faces you know to see uh, what the offense can be so, Dan, they're making progress, but they ain't ready to play football yet. <laughs> so so that, that that doesn't bother me. Okay. I'm glad that he said that. I'd rather him, uh, Justin Fields, I mean, you know, pronouns, mm-hmm. uh, to be specific here. I'm glad that he said that because, again, it's it's considering where we've been with previous regimes, it just felt like it was a uh, just a fucking litany of shit and lies constantly <laughs> yes. where no one would level with you. So the fact that Fields is like, no, 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 we're still, it's a lot of work to go. It's only June. We've got 90 days or so before the kickoff, a mm-hmm. hundred days, whatever. I like it. I think it's refreshing. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear What that. do you think about that? Would you rather him pump us up and, oh yeah, go bears are ready for San Francisco. Or would you rather him be like, oh, pump the brakes. We need, a lot more work. I'm with you 100 percent there. You know, I I love the authenticity that Fields and these other players are sharing during these press conferences. I love the candor. I love the honesty. I I want to be told exactly where this team is. And it, when when we get into camp, if if Eberflus is still not happy with some position levels, I would love him to indicate that in some way where he's not throwing players under the bus. You know, I think we are seeing with the offensive line that he's not he's not happy with that offensive line. That's why there are these, you know, mix and matches. And and, and that's OK, as a lot of people in in uh, in the chat have been saying. I've been looking at Nomad and Mr. Scioretti. No, Cior- Martin Scorsese's here? <laughs> <laughs> You're driving a taxi, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you know, everybody is saying, hey, it's early. They're not wearing pads yet. This is the time. Shorty, Mr. Shorty, thank you. Um, so it, it is true. That, you know, we can't rush to any assumptions, you know. But to answer your question, yeah, I love the authenticity. Now, there was a lot of good news, too. So, for instance, uh, Darnell Mooney is asked about the wide receiver room, and look at how he kind of volunteers one player's name while he's discussing the room in general. I love the room. Everybody has, uh, you know, their own personality. Um, but uh, players-wise, uh, everybody has their own type of, you know, style of play. Uh, a lot of guys can do some of the similar same things. But um, uh, it's a lot of a lot of guys that's going to bring some uh, good things to the to the table. Um, um, one guy, uh, Bayless, man. I, when he gets the ball, y'all gonna see what y'all gonna see, man. He can fly. He's gonna be a, a playmaker for sure for us. 
I am convinced, Dan, that everyone that said Velas Jones or mispronounced the name Velas Jones, Venus Jones, whatever they were saying, I, they're going to be eating their words because I think that this guy is going to be special. Luke Getze wanted him because he wants a guy where you throw the ball to him five yards and all of a sudden he's 80 yards downfield. And uh, over and over again during these press conferences, people were talking about Valus Jones in a way that is building anticipation. And when you put that into the context of what we were just talking about, where people are being truthful, candid, and authentic, that makes me feel really fucking good, man. I have to admit, I was one of the guys that was upset when he was drafted, but not for the same purposes or reasons that so many others were. Because again, being someone that doesn't watch college football, except occasionally, and frankly, it bores the shit out of me more often than not. I, I didn't know whom, you know, the other wide receivers were, that other people wanted, other Bears fans. I just knew at that moment in time, I wanted an offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. So because they'd gone safety and corner in the previous two picks, and I was okay with that too because the secondary was deplorable mm -hmm. last season. But I thought, okay, the next thing, you've got to go offensive line. I don't care if it's a guard. I, I felt like center was okay after a free agent acquisition from Green Bay. But I wanted either guard or a tackle there, preferably a tackle. Um, that's why I was upset. But since hearing Jones, uh, his interviews and seeing him show up and with a suit and all that, you know, yeah. I like him, and I've never objected to him being 25 either. Yeah, I don't think that means shit, you know. In today's day and age, wide receivers can play into their mid-30s at a high level because of the conditioning and, and all this stuff. This guy, uh, man, oh, man, I'm just super excited. When you look at that college tape, every time he touches the ball, something exciting happens, and, uh, and, and the fact that the Bears – we're targeting him and you know that early that gives me confidence this is not like you know targeting adam shaheen in the second round this is right. i sure fucking hope not <laughs> <laughs> because, i'm hoping he's more devin hester yeah exactly exactly because the thing with she shaheen is the very few highlights or tape that there was available for any one of us to see was him playing what division 43 football so, yeah, so it looked like something i would have filmed on my phone before i had a smartphone <laughs> exactly and like a, whatever you would call a non-smartphone a dumb phone i don't know but it looked like a phone from like two like a flip phone somehow was filming his game <laughs> that's exactly right and there's all these smaller players just bouncing off of him and stuff and people are saying, yeah, he's a mini baby grunt, baby grunt, baby shit is what he was. <laughs> that that stinky, you probably don't know this, Dad, because you haven't changed the diaper of a newborn, but that stinky baby shit, that's what Adam Shaheen was, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you needed one thing to look at Adam Shaheen to say what just accurately is a summary of his time in Chicago – he got fucking hurt on his first touchdown reception. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. Was it a peck? He tore a peck. It was something. Yeah, I, think, I think it was a torn peck, yes. Yeah, and catching a touchdown, this guy gets hurt. Yeah. And uh, and then and again, same thing happened to Zach Miller, so I'm not trying to say anyone that gets hurt catching a touchdown no. is a fool, uh, but Shaheen certainly feels like a fool. And he was a, uh, one of these guys, not to bring up politics, but you know the hearings have been going on. Yeah. Uh, from his past Twitter, it seems like he would have been storming the Capitol. <laughs> yes, 
he had made some controversial tweets uh, that I think don't I don't think that the Bears were aware of, and it was found out afterwards. Uh, yeah, uh, Jay Sanders is saying, "Why do we have to overhype all players?" I, what are you talking about, Sanders? We've been here talking uh, authentically, uh, with all uh, honesty about you know the problems with the Bears, and this one guy gives us some hope that he could be a playmaker. Why not say nice things about him? Do you expect us to hundred percent be negative throughout the whole show? That's not this show. We're going to just call it as we see it. If it's more negative, it's because that's how we feel. If it's more uh, positive, that's because how I feel. If it's somewhere in the middle, that's how we feel. (laughs) If he wants some negativity, there's a certain beat writer. <laughs> Finer Dan Weeder is doing his uh, his beat piece at wherever. I guess he's with ESPN Chicago, right? Uh, Dan Weeder is still at the Tribune, Chicago Tribune. Well, I meant who would doing audio like drops from oh camp yeah, and yes such. yes ESPN one thousand yes. And who Chicago. was the uh, the person that uh, that replaced officially Jeff Dickerson? Um, it was a lady, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a, she was on one of our shows here in the network, uh, Courtney Cronin. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I need to listen to her and see how she does. She is. You know, excellent. I really didn't like was that Jen Latta. Really, I like Jen her. Latta was an asshole to me every time I interacted with her. Really, and it wasn't like I was like, "Ooh, you're hot." I was trying to talk bears with her. Yeah, interesting. I, I liked her, and um, uh, Courtney Cronin. I forgot what show shit that she was on here at the barroom. Um, but I was always oh, a double A team. Uh, I was super impressed with her. And I, I think I've picked up on her voice now. And she's always asking some really good questions. You know, some of the questions during these press conferences make me cringe. It's like, how many times can you ask your head coach, how is Justin Fields developing? It's like been a week since you asked that question. <laughs> and it's like the same questions over and over. And and I don't mean to sound like a sexist because that's not what I'm trying to do at all. But a lot of the a lot of the questions from female reporters are about are about how do you feel about this? How do you feel? Which is good. You know, you, you wanna you wanna get into the emotion of the game and you wanna get into, you know, uh people's feelings. But I, I wish that they and all of the reporters really would ask a little bit more X's and O's. Like for you instance, want more of a hard news angle. Yeah. You know, I think that's where I come from, you know, the sports journalism world. And so, for instance, one of the questions I would love to see asked of Justin, of Eberflus, and the next time Getsy is up there, is about Justin Fields' motion. Because every time I see a clip, that the Chicago Bears uh, 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 share on their account on Twitter, Iberflus is still, not every pass, but a lot of the clips, he is still doing that loopy uh, wind-up on the pass. Now, I've I've gone online, and great quarterbacks all, also have that, but that's been one of the things that has been uh, criticized because in the NFL, you want to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. Now, maybe he is getting it out quick, uh, more quickly, uh, and, and still using that loopy delivery, but I, I, I'm actually going to put together a tape of how there is a drill, Dan, where they are holding a a pad, a long, it's almost like a, a the touchdown marker, uh, but it's about six feet long, and they're holding it at the quarterback's numbers, and the quarterback is, can't go below that pad. You know, he's got to keep that ball up and by his ear and fling it 
And uh, and that's not what I'm seeing out of Justin Fields on a lot of his throws. And so that, I think, would be a great question for any of the reporters, male, female, anybody, to ask. Uh, I didn't mean to be critical of the female reporters, but Courtney Cronin is one that I really like. She asks a lot of great questions that are the types of questions I, I like to hear responses to. And I want to give acknowledgement. I, I sent you the photo. Uh, John Moon Mullen's not doing well at all. There's a picture yeah. of Dan Pompey with him, and yeah. man, he's lost all of his hair, and yeah. it just, yeah, it looks really bad. He, whatever he's afflicted with, I'm assuming is cancer. It's cancer, yes. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, man, I wish him well. Yeah. That's all I can say. He, he's not as, uh, you know, when you see the photo of Mongo, it's not the same as that, but mm-hmm. it's fucking close. Yeah, yeah. John is 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 the kind of guy at uh, Bourbonnais, he would sit among the fans. He wouldn't sit with the other players. He wanted to experience the practices along with fans, and he would answer questions and so forth while still keeping his eyes squarely on, uh, on the field. Uh, so he was able to kind of multitask and answer your question while he's still doing his job. And for that, I have a lot of appreciation for the, the type of man that he is. And for many, many years, he has covered the Chicago Bears and has done an outstanding job. Um, so, yeah, that that photograph was definitely a downer because it looks like in the two years, two and a half years, he's had this uh, pancreatic cancer. It's just gotten worse and worse. So uh, prayers to uh, and good vibes to John Moon Mullen. Um, Cliff says, sad to hear about Moon. He's been a great bear guy for a lot of years. Indeed. All right. I got more good news for you, Dan. We Shit. need it. Yes. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, the guy who's going to be starting opposite Eddie Jackson. Well, Eddie, I think he's uh, wearing Cutler's number two. That is correct. I want to say number nine. He's number six. Oh, that's right. Number six. Maybe he is nine. Then I was thinking he was six. Either way. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, he's, uh, uh, Eddie Jackson was asked about, uh, please, uh, give us your evaluation of him. Oh, man, he's been exciting to watch, man. Uh, just to see him, you know, he's learning. He's open. He asks a lot of questions, the right questions. Uh, just to see him fly around making plays on the ball, um, you always like to see that, uh, especially uh, from a young guy. We kind of kind of some similarities. I know he, he always tells me he liked to be in the box. <laughs> so just, just having that right there, he want to be down, and I can be in the back, be free. But we can switch it at any time. So just having some similarities is, is going to be fun. Is that music to your ears? I mean, that's because that's what you want to do, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But I'm I'm willing to play both. It don't matter. But I mean, just knowing that he's he's accepting that role and he's really buying into it is, you can go ahead. I'm gonna let him get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, are you at your best when it is a scenario like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I feel. You know, just having somebody who loves to play that position. You know, kind of take the weight off your shoulder, and I can focus on you know roaming and, and getting the ball. Dan, what he is saying is. I got my Adrian Amos back. I got a guy that loves to be in the box. I got a guy that loves to hit. Hopefully they'll keep me more in that center field position, where, which is where I am best. And, hey, that is great. If, if Brisker is going to be that hard-hitting guy who's going to be tackling the running backs and making those hard hits, and Eddie Jackson is going to be more of that uh, uh, turnover guy, Hey, uh, we've got a solution now. I know in today's NFL, they want to change those, make those safeties as inter- interchangeable a- as possible because you don't want the quarterback to always know, oh, it's, it's going to be Eddie back there and just avoid throwing wherever Eddie is. So there's going to be some different looks. 
But if 65% of the time Brisker is in the box and Eddie Jackson isn't playing center field and making interceptions and, and, and watching deep passes, I'm feeling better about this defensive backfield and Brisker is going to be well worth the trade of Khalil Mack. Yeah, I like the pick. I like the. I thought we've needed safety help for years. I'm still not sold on Eddie Jackson. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I hope so, but I I don't know, man. It's just he again. I just think Nathan Vasher. He looked so good, had all those interceptions, and he got paid, and and never was the same again. It's the same kind of feeling I have about Eddie Jackson. Mm-hmm. I love what Mule says here in the chat. I seriously doubt that Flus will put up with any safety not tackling during the game. I agree with you, Mule. I, I mean, if this guy allows Eddie Jackson uh, to get away with the Olay plays that we've seen where he's just not tackling well, then uh, he'll, if Eberflus allows that to happen, then that's going to be a huge strike against Eberflus. Just- I bet you, if I had, again, if I had to make a parlay bet, Eddie Jackson is benched by midseason. Really? Oh, I hope I'm wrong. Shit. I hope he has this resurgence, like comeback player of the year kind of thing. But then again, Robert Quinn had 18 and a half sacks, and he didn't get comeback player of the year. At this point, Eddie would have to have like 22 interceptions to get comeback player of the year But mm-hmm. uh, because he's with the shitty Bears, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to get any recognition for uh, the Bears at all. Yeah. Uh, not to sound like, uh, you know, oh, poor us or whatever, but that's just the facts. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope Eddie comes back strong and, and tells me to shut the fuck up. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Well, it's interesting what Nomad uh, wrote in the chat. He says, Eddie just admitted it's kind of a business decision for him to, to, to tackle, not tackle. That's a, I, I agree with that, Nomad. That's what I got out of that soundbite, too. You know, Especially if you saw, Dan, if you would have seen his uh, uh, facial expression when he was asked, you know, that, that's what you would prefer to do is play that center field position. He was like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hey, I don't want to hurt my shoulder. <laughs> I guy like I can almost get away with that. You could I could almost allow him to be so gun shy on contact if he were like the shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. But as a safety, a safety, you've got to be physical. Mm-hmm. That's the position. That, yeah. I mean, you better you better be a good tackler. You're that last line of defense between uh you know the 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 goal line and uh and the line of scrimmage. You're it, man. You gotta make the safety's play. typically the position where the guy that's gonna knock your fucking head off. I know there's not a lot of that in the pros anymore or anywhere in football, but typically throughout my lifetime, if you were crossing the middle, you gotta look out for the Ronnie Lott type, the Steve Atwater, mm-hmm. who's coming to fucking hit you in the head. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like literally in the head, but you know what I'm saying, like to sure. fucking knock the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Mike Brown, you know, somebody like that that's just got that that's just stout and is ready to unleash. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Jackson's like ready to run. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Pepe Silva Sylvia says uh, Matt Bowen talks highly about Eddie Jackson's coverage skills. He still has to tackle, though. And you're right. Uh, I've seen Matt Bowen, the former Chicago Bear, who is now uh, working over at ESPN on their excellent uh, show, which is called NFL Matchup. Um, He's great at breaking down tape. Uh, And Greg Gabriel has said, you know, a lot of fans get down on Eddie Jackson, but they don't realize all the other good stuff that he does, uh, which is he's the quarterback of that defensive backfield. He calls the signals and so forth. But he is going to. Yeah, but Danny Trevathan called the signals too at one point. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, 
fuck calling the signals if you can't tackle, right? I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it is, it is, that is kind of one of the three pillars of the game that's never going to change. One is tackling, two is running with the ball, and three is, is throwing the ball. So um, now Eddie was asked about uh, is he being coached differently, you know, with this new coaching squad and sure, the fact that so. he's. <laughs> Uh, uh, the fact that he's a veteran, is he being coached differently by the new staff? Oh, they coaching me like I'm any other player, and that's what I love. You know, they challenge me, Coach Dre. You know, he's continues to challenge me, Coach Williams. You know, he coaches me up on little things and stuff I need to improve on. Like he came to me today, asked me something I need to work on every day. So just to have that, you know, just treat me like any other player, you know, just taking that coaching and not being afraid to coach. You know, some people like to come in and kind of be, you know, skeptical or telling older guys how to play or this or that. But them just coming in, stating their opinions, and me just taking the coach, and I like it. But are they making any changes that, like, if you were a rookie, would have been much easier to, to go along with as mm -hmm. opposed to being an established player that are changing your style or whatever? Uh, me, I take all coaching. You know, I approach it just like I'm a rookie. You know, it's a new coach. Um, coach Dre, his, his record speaks for itself. You know, the type of players he's coaching the league. So anything he tells me, I, you know, I take heed to it and, and I put it in my notebook. And, okay, if I need to work on this, I'm going to try to work on this, even if it's something with my stands or breaks or anything like that. I just take the coaching and run with it. I don't know. Eddie's impressing me with those words there. What would you think? The, the tough question that should be asked is, Eddie, do you really think – uh, is it fair to say you've had three bad years in a row? Your response to that, Mr. Jackson? No, I, I, I like the way you put that. I was actually thinking about that before the show. How would I have phrased the question about, you know, the fact that uh, his play has deteriorated some? And, and one of the ways that I might have uh, asked the question is, you know, Eddie, uh, you're on social media, so you must see that fans are upset with your level of play over the last two or three seasons, and in particularly, in particular, your tackling. And so, what are you doing to improve that? And do do you understand why fans are upset? Something like that, you know. Uh, but you're right that that question should be addressed. And at one press conference, it was. Uh, I don't know if it was the last one Eddie did or if it was late last season, but he was he 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 was asked about the tackling situation. He says, "Yeah, I admit I have to improve my tackling." I think it was late last season. Uh, so uh, look, keep on them. I, I think that reporters' questions can really help a team. That's not their job. They're there to be an adversarial media. They're there to ask tough questions and stuff. And so. If you do that, if you do your job, uh, members of the media, then those players are going to get together. And the perfect example is the Mike Ditka era. They're all going to get a chip on their shoulder. It's us against every one, every one of those motherfuckers asking us these stupid questions. It's us against every fan that has ever put their hands together and booed us. It's us against everybody, against the NFL, against Roselle and blah, blah, blah. That was a perfect example of – you know, having adversaries, an adversarial relationship with the media and stuff that can make a team better if the coach is wise enough to use that. Lovey did that as well. Lovey was good at that. Yeah, Lovey <laughs> would always be like, did you see who, like the Sun-Times, all of them picked us to lose this week? Mm-hmm. Yes, there was a right. clip that Hogan that. Johns used for years where Kyle Long came into the locker room and yelled Adam Johns because he was the only beat writer. Mm-hmm to say that the Bears are going to win whatever week that was. Of course, that would have been when Tressman was coach. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm just saying, But so 
there is some of that that goes on. With uh, Eddie Jackson, though, uh, I, I'll ask you a question, and this could be open to anybody. Considering his contract, is there a player in the league that's getting paid as much or more that's as overrated as he is? Oh, that's a good question. I'd have to do some research, but I bet there is. Like, who's got a contract as big as Eddie that hasn't lived up to it, is in, in other words? Well, I can tell you players who have bigger contracts that haven't lived up to it. Somebody that you've pointed out many a time, Khalil oh, Mack. Khalil Mack, yeah. <laughs> He's never lived up to that contract. That first game against the Packers and a few other games, that's been about it. Yeah, well, I, I concur <laughs> with that. But let me rephrase that. Is there anyone else on the Bears that's more overrated than Eddie Jackson? Oh, no. Given the money. I don't think so. That's a good question for the chat. Any uh, any players – how do you phrase the question, uh, Dan? Anybody on the team that – Regardless of how much money they make, but has done the you know the least amount to earn the money that he's getting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I I'm beginning to th- uh, be a little bit concerned about Cody Whitehair. You know, Cody Whitehair yeah. has been an average left guard, and he's making about an average amount of money, but he's still in the prime of his career and he needs to step it up his contract. There's a potential out in white hair's contract next season. That would really uh, lessen the cap hit. If they uh, released him. it would be great. There you go. Steven Nagishi said white hair. Um, it, it would be great if white hair had that kind of uh, pro bowl level year that would make it that, that would help the offensive line at least for the next two, three years before then, you know, if he starts playing at a superstar or Pro Bowl level, he's, his next contract is he's going to ask for considerably more. And then hopefully the Bears can make the decision of let's keep him or we have groomed some guys to take his place. It felt like Whitehair was so much better early on before they started flipping him back between left guard and, and center. I'm so fucking with you. And that's part of why I'm worried about what's going on with this offensive line now in camp where they're doing all this mixing and matching and Larry Borum is over here at the left go and he moves over to right tackle and so forth. You know, and, almost, I, and I know that that's probably the best way to discover who's best where. But, man, I wish we weren't in that predicament. Uh, I wish I could tell you right now, hey, it is definitely going to be uh, Braxton at left tackle, Borum at right guard, Jenkins at right tackle, Patrick at center, Cody White here at left guard, and then whoever the fuck is playing that right guard position. I don't know who that is. But, uh, yeah, I, I, Iceberg says, yeah, white hair, white hair is on the hot seat. And then Scott said that white hair in that press conference a week ago sounded like he was lazy and tired. Um, I've got to go back. That's one of the ones uh, that I missed. I'd like to go back and listen to that. All right, um, let's go back to Eddie Jackson. He's talking about the potential. He was asked about the potential of the young DBs on the team. Uh, it's something different. It's something different. Um, flying around, man. Like I said, I can't can't emphasize that more. Just everyone's flying around. The effort we give in. Uh, and when you have young guys just out there, they're willing to work. They're willing to take the coaching. They're willing to do whatever it takes and buy in and making plays on the ball. And as you kind of seen today, we had a couple turnovers. So that was exciting. And just that, that having that swag, you know, having fun, you know, that's like the best thing that I, I like about the the young secondary we have right now. Yeah, wasn't that great in 2018? The defense was so 
fucking fantastic. They had their own dances, that fucking Motown dance in Detroit where Don Burr, the Lions fan, he was shitting on himself because he was so upset to see the Bears dancing in their end zone, the Bears defense. Those were great. That was a great fucking year for the Bears defense, and I'd love to see them back there and Eddie Jackson having fun and getting turnovers and stuff. I'm glad Club Dub's gone, though. Yeah, I agree with you. It got, you know, it's only cool if you keep winning on a consistent basis, right? But if you're going to win, you know, half half your games or less, then, yeah, Club Dub. Remember when we lost to Oakland and London? Mm Mm-hmm. And that was like, you know, the beginning of the end in hindsight for Akeem Hicks. That's when he got that sustained injury. But Gruden in the, in their locker room said, well, I don't have a disco ball, but we can fucking dance or whatever. And was mocking Matt Nagy. I mean, that was there. That should have killed it from that moment on. <laughs> Tom Barrett is attacking me saying, hey, what about that club? How would that work for you guys? Come on, Don. I know you're a Bears fan. Come on over and join the team. (laughs) Why does that guy? uh, I'm glad he's here, but if he hates the Bears, like, why is he here every week? I I don't understand. When I when I uh, watch the Bears press conferences live, he's there too. I think he does this. uh, He goes on every Chicago Bears. a YouTube feed, uh, YouTube shows, and does the same. Well, why us? You figure he would like do that to Green Bay. Right? Oh, he loves us, man. He loves us because he knows in reality we fucking sperm every Lions player in the face. <laughs> you, you you told me earlier we should mention Rod Marinelli. Uh, and again, if I'm just being a dick, I mean, I like Rod. He was in Vietnam, you know, so was my dad. So, But uh, Rod was 0-16 at one point as a Detroit Lions head coach in 2008. <laughs> Yes, I think Don Byrne knows that, which is why he's here, because he hates us. Uh, speaking of Marinelli, uh, uh, Iberflus announced that Marinelli is going to be talking to the team tomorrow. Uh, and so I asked Dan, you know, share some Marinelli stories. And that's what he came back with, the old 16th season with the Lions. But let's listen to Iberflus and the value of having Marinelli talk to the team. And then maybe on the other end, we can get Dan to reach into his memory banks and, and find some highlights of Marinelli's career under Lovey Smith here with the Bears. No, I spent five years with him. In Dallas, and you, I cannot say enough good things about Rod Marinelli. What he taught me with the player-coach relationship, uh, to be able to show the player that you care through action, and and prepare the player to play his best on Sunday, and then you're able to you're able to challenge them and push them past the point they can't take themselves, and that's what I learned from Rod and and the players. Everybody who talks about him just loves him to death. And, man, I know when he was here, he pushed the guys past the point they couldn't take themselves. And uh, that's what I learned from him. And uh, he's just a diamond in the rough, Rod Marinelli. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I don't know. He said I'm ready to go, and, and uh, I'm, I've been with him five years. I know what he's going to say. I kind of know the topics. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It's going to go great because he's uh, I've been with him so many years. He's just a dynamic speaker. Well, I mean, I, I love the fact that Iberflus has learned some good things from Rod Marinelli. The whole, that whole spiel where he talked about how he prepares for for players and, 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 and gets the maximum out of them is outstanding. What do you remember about Rod Marinelli other than his own 16? No, but all jokes aside, the own 16 thing is what I think of. And really? but but that's that's my point. Is he wasn't to say, ready to be a head coach, right? Well, 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 let me let me tie it in here, connect okay. the dots. It, it would be difficult for any coach to go from 0 and 16 to anything beyond that 
that is positive. Mm-hmm. Most coaches would be out of the league after being 0-16 or doing the USFL or NFL Europe or whatever the fuck the minor league league was. Mm-hmm. Mark Trustman, for example. Run back to Canada, Mark, that kind of thing. But Marinelli, if you remember when he was working for Lovey as a defensive coordinator, all the Lovey guys, whether it be Erlacher or Briggs or Tillman, everyone had this immense respect for Rod Marinelli. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been there. That's my point is, though, to to be a coach, to, to lose face, to go 0-16 and still command the respect of your players – that says something about you, in my opinion, because a lot of people would just look at you and say, oh, you didn't even, you know, you lost every game the whole season. Why should I listen to you? But he was still able to reach grown men and command respect. So to me, that is what I think about Rod yeah. is to say this guy must just be uh, awesome with everything Mark Trestman wasn't. Mm-hmm. When you go in the locker room and they say he's not a leader of men, well, Marinelli clearly is. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. And those words by uh, Iberflus on Marinelli and, and and the compliments that I've heard from Lovey over the years about Marinelli and other coaches and stuff, the guy is held in high esteem throughout the league. And so I'm glad he's going to be at uh, Hallis Hall tomorrow talking to the players and hopefully he can fire them up so that the, these last two days of uh, our practice are, are productive. Um Lots more stuff here. Not lots, but I got about a half dozen more sound bites I'd like to share, and then we'll bring in the two ja. Um, Robbie says Marinelli is a football lifer. You ain't kidding, man. You know, they got that show on NFL films called A Football Life. I think Marinelli's life deserves uh, that because of what happened, you know, the injury that he suffered in the war and uh, the impact he's made with multiple teams and not having success as the top guy. You know, it's almost like Vic Fangio, you know, these great defensive coordinators finally get their chance uh, uh, when they're in their late 50s, early 60s, and it just doesn't happen for them. But uh, it's always kind of an interesting story. All right, one of the interesting things, Dan, about today's press conference is because Darnell Mooney – was there he started uh he was first uh before the coach spoke and then justin fields i think was the order um we got a really good indication of the bond the connection that these two guys have been developing i mean we've seen it over the last two years we heard the stories about mooney and fields working after practice just on their own and during the off season uh they would be practicing together and so forth so that was uh, discussed uh, more today, and uh, see, which one should I play here? Uh, Mooney was asked, how important is that time that he spends with Justin Fields? It's definitely important. I mean, just being able to, you know, just uh, bond uh, and just uh, have a friend and somebody you can joke around with, somebody you can, you know, get onto or have somebody get onto you, uh, especially with the profession that we have. You, not, you don't really much have guys you can, like um, – you know, tell you like, hey, you need to pick it up. Uh, you don't really see that much. But um, now, I mean, w- me and Justin, we, we kind of have that relationship. Uh, also with Dave as well, um, I can say things to them and they, they listen and they can say things to me. So uh, that helps a lot. I was really happy also to hear him throw David Montgomery's name in there at the end because these those are the three offensive guys that have to really, really carry this team. Hopefully Cole Komet can fit in there too. But those are their big weapons that 
right now, anyways, from based on what we have seen and know and stuff, hopefully, you know, Valus and 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 uh, some of the other new acquisitions are going to be big contributors too. But we know David Montgomery can run the ball as good as almost any NFL running back. We know that Darnell Mooney is a game changer, and we know that Justin Fields has all this uh, potential. So. The, the the fact that the three of those guys are are working together is is music to my ears, man. I would agree, though I'm not certain 100% on Cole Komet, as I've said to you before in the past. I keep reading all these, uh, you know, some of them are articles written by people that don't actually work for, for, for papers and such, and just their opinions. But the consensus is that I keep reading that there's this uh, tangible chemistry that's being established in this offseason between Justin Fields and Cole Komet. And I'm just going to wait and see. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not buying into Komet yet. I, I want him to be good. Again, I want him to stick his fucking dick in my mouth and say, you're wrong. You're a meatball fan. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. I'll own that. But I, I just, I feel like this guy's a bust, man. I do. I have no confidence in him. With Mooney, my biggest fear is he's so small in terms of he, he kind of reminds me of Cohen in some regards. So I hope he can stay healthy. I, I am sold on David Montgomery, as you know. I think he's a beast. And if he stays healthy and we, we give him the rock, I don't see why he couldn't get at least 100 yards a game. I just – unless the line is just that bad. Or they're behind and, uh, you know, they, they have to throw the ball more than, than giving the ball. But, by the way, I'm going <laughs> – I'm going to isolate that you know, about sucking dick <laughs> and use that in a promo. Do you mind? <laughs> no, man. For, I mean, for years, you had the Aaron Rodgers thing with me. So. <laughs> that is right. What was that again we were talking about? Yeah, it was the first time I was ever on the network, like five years ago. And I said something like, um, I would suck Aaron Rodgers' dick if it meant that the Bears would win the Super Bowl this year. Because remember, 18, we were doing so well at the time, and it looked like – it was plausible that the Bears could actually win it. So yeah, yeah. I was like, I would blow our top adversary and swallow if it meant that we would win the Super Bowl. <laughs> would you still do that? If it meant for us to win the Super Bowl, it's a small sacrifice to make. And let me quantify that by saying I've actually, I'm not homophobic, but I've never blown a guy before. But if it somehow would lead to a Super Bowl championship, then by God, I've got two good knees. <laughs> Ah, I love it. I love it. All right, more on that uh, chemistry between uh, uh, Fields. <laughs> Fields, <bit> of transition. <laughs> Take that, Jamba Phone. Let's hear that on your show. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, okay. Um, this is uh, – uh, Fields talking about how Darnell Mooney pushes. He, he honestly, you know, makes me want to uh, want to do more. Uh, you know, just seeing, you know, how much he works, uh, how hard he works. Uh, it just, you know, it's 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 a it's kind of contagious. So, um, really, just you know, getting more guys around us, you know, uh, letting them see how hard we work. I think, you know, just them seeing that will just make them want to work. And then Mooney was asked, "Did you ever have to tell Fields, hey, you know, come on, pick it up here, brother?" Uh, he's pretty hard on himself. I mean. Um, sometimes, you know, you know that you don't, uh, you know, the type of person or your, or your friend or your bud or whatever, um, that you don't really have to say anything to him. He knows, um, maybe just the eye contact. Well, you know, to be like, Hey, all right, now let's get it together or, um, just focus in. But it's really, 
really more so when we're watching film or if we're going thing going things off the field or whatever, then we'll say some things. But pretty much on the field wise, you gotta um, you don't really have to say anything. It's a, every you you know you know so. Got a bunch of guys in the chat room are saying, "Hey, Dan, if you suck my dick, I guarantee you the beers will go <laughs> These are some lonely fellows here. Huh? I don't know what's going on here. Hey, uh, there, there's girls everywhere. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's right. Come on, man. this is a, a special, exclusive offer to anyone who can really really get the bears a super bowl dan will do that <laughs> i yeah if the bears can win the super bowl this year i would swallow aaron and allow that witch the lady they're describing these days supposedly a witch i'm not making that up what's her oh, name yeah. like blue his, moon his name, or something yeah i, I, I no remember. that's a beer blue moon. <laughs> i would i would let her menstruate just just use draw war paint all over me with her menstrual blood, if that meant somehow that we would win the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's the problem. You can't get that real 100% guarantee, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. But you give uh, it another one anyway. I said I would let uh, a couple years ago, the lady from the, the Lions, since Don's in the <laughs> chat room, I said I'd let the old Ford lady take a shit on my chest <laughs> if it meant the Bears could win the Super Bowl. At this point, I, I mean, all jokes aside, like I, man, I mean, I'm 41. I don't know how much longer I got, you know? I mean, you have to feel the same way. Like I really want the bears to win before I die. Well, I I've been saying that for years, you know, I'm, I'm 63 now. I think I am. And it's like, Hey man, time's running out here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that for real. I absolutely <laughs> do. Uh, back to the topic of substance. It has felt like, that Justin Fields and Mooney have had some sort of chemistry. Oh, hold on a second. My, all of a sudden I lost you, but I think you're back. Go ahead. Uh, you were saying. Um... I was just saying everything we wanted chemistry wise from a Rob last year with Fields. It felt like he and Mooney were the duo. Even if statistically that didn't hold true fully because Justin struggled a bit in his, his rookie season. But if you're telling me that they have this, you know, this tangible chemistry that's going to lead to success in the 22 season, I, I'm buying that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't buy the Cole Komet one yet, but I am buying Mooney. And it's exciting, the idea of seeing Mooney run something other than a shallow cross. It's just like the guy's like five. How tall is Mooney? Five, eight? Mm, no, I think he's tall in that. I think he's 5'10". Five, 5'10"? Five, ten. Ten? Yeah, he's not very ten. tall. Yeah. And they had him running all these inside routes at like three and four yards. I mean, I would be excited to see. And he's done well the first two seasons, obviously. But he's, more, in my opinion, he's going to be in an offense better suited to exploit his tactics and his talents. Uh, not tactics, but his talents. To, to exacerbate, to get the most out of him. Mm -hmm. five, and I feel like we've got according, people to do that. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, 5'11", 175 pounds, according to the website. I think that's where Tooch found that stat. Um, but I agree with you there, uh, Dan. You know, it was interesting, though, that today uh, or yesterday, Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Cowboys and former head coach of the Green Bay Packers, says, if you want to be a, a number one wide receiver in this league, you have to play uh, inside and out. 
In other words, you have to play that slot position and you have to play outside because if you're only playing the outside position or you're only playing the slot position, it becomes too easy to figure out what you're doing. And Randy Moss would say, yeah, right. <laughs> I went straight to Ken and I never went across the middle. That's right. <laughs> and when he went across the middle, he was never looking at the quarterback. He was looking at who's around and that might hit him. <laughs> Good point. But what a fucking talent. And still, I lament that he should have been and could have been a Chicago Bear. Should have been. He was picked, what, number 20 by the Vikings? And the Bears had the fifth pick, I think, that year. Yeah. Well, you know, but he was... overslept the meeting for Walter Payton. Randy, Randy, Randy. He he dissed he dissed sweetness. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. By the way, PJ says I am a grown ass man and I would never joke around suck about sucking somebody else's dick. Another man. <laughs> well, it is Pride Month, so uh, <laughs> I happen to be heterosexual. And it's it's fine, man. I, I I can joke about it. I'm comfortable with my sexuality. There you go. Um, and who was it that asked? Uh, Cliff Victoria said, uh, if you're on a deserted island with another man, how quickly before the conversation of blowjobs comes up? Oh, my God. I don't. I always hear that, like, stuff from guys in jail. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, you, you hear about that all the time. Like, I just can't imagine. I mean, I, I've never been locked up for, at all. So, mm -hmm. but I just can't imagine, like, I, I, my liberty's been stripped from me from you know, six weeks or six months or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, I think during this time, I'm going to take advantage of that and start sucking a good dick. I just, <laughs> I, I, I like to think that I, I don't know why the bars suddenly make people promiscuous. I just can't imagine that I, it's me on the outside looking in, but I can't imagine me behaving in that manner under any scenario. Yeah. Other than the bears winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, all right. Darnell Mooney was asked about uh, Justin Fields' confidence level. Uh, where does he see that at? Confidence that he that he has is, I mean, he's he's working extremely hard. I walk in here some days uh, that uh, he he'll be he'll be walking out the weight room and I'll be walking in and uh, we had this little competition uh, going on. Sometimes one day we had came in on a Friday. Uh, as you know, we, we do Monday through Friday. I mean, Monday through Thursday. Came in as a Friday, and we're just lifting and lifting. And he's like, yeah, you can you can leave. Now we're done working out. I'm like, I'm not leaving. You're leaving. And then um, one at one moment, he had left at a point in time. I'm like, I'm not letting him get this. And uh, he comes back out of nowhere. He's like, yeah, I'm still working. I, I end up doing something to, like, lay down or, like, get some soft tissue. Then he leaves. And uh, he thinks I'm just getting soft tissue. Then I go back and work out, and I had to let him know, like, nah, you didn't get me today as you, you thought. And then uh, he ended up coming back. So, I mean, that that type of uh, work ethic and uh, that mindset, I mean, it's it's definitely going to pay off for sure. I love that. I love that these guys are, are have become such good friends, and they're pushing each other. You know, we've talked about it in the past that uh, David Montgomery is that same guy. You know, at Iowa, he was – the only one in the gym at 10 p.m. at night. And weeks later, everyone on that Iowa offense was in the gym with him working out because he's got that leadership mentality. And so that's what we're seeing in these three guys, Mooney, Montgomery, and and, and Fields. Love the fact that they're pushing each other. That's just great for the team, man. Um, I agree. I think it's uh, – you know me, I'm a, I'm a mark for Fields. So I think that he's going to be – I, I I just believe he's the guy. Mm -hmm. 
I wanted Trubisky to be the guy, but I honestly believe that Fields is the guy. Yeah, I'm with you on that. There, I mean, there's a difference in one. I wanted Cutler to be the guy so bad, and I could make so many other scenarios and say, well, if this happened and this happened, he would have been. But all that's history now. But I, it's still, I was rooting for them to be something maybe that they weren't. I feel like Fields is what we wanted those other guys to be. Yeah. There's people in the chat room are wondering if uh, Mooney or Fields are sucking each other's dicks. <laughs> hey, if it helps them on Sunday, then let's go, man. Yeah, exactly. Who cares if they are, right? Um, last one I got, it's uh, Justin Fields talking about his relationship with Luke Getze. He's a smart coach, of course, and, you know, he just he's he's cool as the as other side of the pillow. I mean, he's a he's a cool guy off the field. Um, you can you can talk to him whenever and um i mean he's he's just awesome he's he's always uh willing to you know make videos for us and make everything uh for everybody on the offense way easier whether it's you know making uh i guess install videos for us for us to go look at home so he's always doing um going going the extra mile to make sure everybody else is good for the next day but um you know i i, I love him and um he's a definitely a great guy for sure he loves them. <laughs> <laughs> See, everything's starting to go back. <laughs> I love my bears. <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> well, perfect time to bring Tooch in and ask him about uh, old, good old fashioned sodomy. Yeah, there you go, Tooch. Let me know when you're ready to come in. Uh, uh, just let yourself in, and I will make the unnecessary. Uh, oh, wait a minute. yep. Uh, the, his uh, his girls are still up, so they're making a little noise. Um, so we will uh, wait a few more minutes. Uh, well, I hope we're on mute. <laughs> or hope Tucci's got headphones in because I'd feel really guilty about saying all this filth and those two little two little babies there listening to what I was saying. Those two cute little girls. Yeah, I know they're like Daddy. five and four, right? So yes. I mean. Daddy, what is Dan talking about? He would. Suck. What's this thing he keeps bringing up? What's it called? A dick? <laughs> oh yeah, baby! <laughs> All right, so that was the press conference today. I think there was a lot of good news. I started off with the bad news because you know that's what you, what you do when you're telling stories. You tell the bad news first, and then. You find all the silver linings. This team still has a lot of work. I'm not as confident as Dan is that this team could potentially meet the playoffs. I think that they're at least a year away. But I like the fact – I think the, the message that I have for everyone is please be patient with this team. Please, you know, try to understand what it is they're doing. They're not going to panic. This whole thing about uh, trading uh, Robert Quinn would be to acquire more draft assets because they're committed to making that work. The DK uh, Metcalf rumors of the, uh, him potentially coming to the Bears for in a trade for uh, Robert Quinn, maybe that could potentially happen. But the, 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 the fact is, is that he is going to demand that type of contract even more than Christian Kirk had. And if you remember the interview in the press conference that Ryan Pauls, the general manager of the Bears, said about Christian Kirk, his, his eyes like got you know scary with <laughs> red veins in the white areas of his life. He doesn't like the fact that wide receivers are now uh, upsetting the, the uh, salary structure. And so... You know, he wants to – if he's going to pay anybody big money, it's going to be Darnell Mooney because he has seen firsthand what a positive influence he is at, at camp 
in the locker room and how hard he works. Even when there's no OTAs, he's with his quarterback working on things. He was asked today, you know, what are your plans to work with Justin in this period of time that we have now uh, when this camp ends and when uh, the official training camp opens in late July? And what did he say? He says, well, I'm going to take a week off to just work on myself, some wide receiver things. And then Justin and I are going to call each other and we're going to set up a, a, a time uh, for us to practice together during that summer months. That's the kind of guy you want. You don't want a DK Metcalf who is, you know, on the on the on the bench throwing his helmet around saying, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. I can understand his frustration because Pete Carroll is a run heavy coach. But you know, I I, I prefer guys like Darnell Mooney who who his and here's another question. I didn't pull this, but he was asked by Mark Potash, who do you compare yourself in, ty- in terms of wide receivers? All these wide receivers getting these big fat contracts now. Who do you compare yourself to? And he like thought about it for a while and he said, you know, nobody. I'm just me. I just I just want to work on myself. I don't compare myself to anyone else. I'm glad those guys are getting paid well, but I just I just work on myself and just try to focus on being better. What, what a perfect answer. This guy is a special guy, one of the few draft uh, picks that Ryan Pace uh, selected, fifth-round pick, if I remember correctly, uh, and he uh, his career is just going to get better and better. And I, I, I'm starting to believe that he can be a true number one wide receiver in this league. And people are saying, well, he's kind of small to be a number one wide receiver. Hell, there's been a lot of great wide receivers in the NFL who were kind of small and played in the era where safeties could just fucking beat the shit out of you even before the ball was out of the hands of the of the quarterback. So that's how I feel about this. And, uh, and Valus Jones, great promise. Uh, I, I feel good about this, but I'm not expecting a playoff season. You, you understand where I'm coming from, Dan? <clears throat> yes, uh, but again, I don't want to go through the same things I've said the last like 20 podcasts. Sure. You, combine, you combine the schedule – you combine the fact that Matt Nagy, the bald fuck, is gone with a real offensive scheme, a real coach, a better players on offense, a better secondary. I think it all adds up to a, a more competitive team than last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, man. This team is going to be more comp- competitive. Uh, they just got to fix this offensive line. I mean, if – if they start, you know, Owen Cruz caught a lot of shit on Twitter because he projected his offensive line would have Sam Mustafer at center and um, Dan Patrick, the new acquisition from the Packers at right guard. I forgot who he had at the outside positions, but just the fact that he was entertaining the idea that he uh, that Sam Mustafer would return as the center. People were like, haven't you been fucking hearing, you know, what the press? Yeah, but Sam, he and Sam are good friends in real life. I think he's just biased. He loves, yes, I agree with that. He loves Sam. Now, I've seen a lot of hope in Sam, but there is no denying that he doesn't have the strength to be a full-time starting center. Now, maybe he's getting better. Maybe his off-season workout, maybe he's he's doing things. Maybe the new uh, outside zone uh, scheme is going to be better suited for his skills. Maybe, in, in which case, Olin would, would be right. But uh, when uh, Patrick said uh, that what he they asked him, what position are you going to play? He said, and I'm quoting almost exactly, center. That's what I came here to play. That's what I've been told I'm going to play. And so 
I, I don't think this guy wants to give up that position and the the other things that why happen. should he? Yeah. I mean, if it, the his strength is center, you know, we probably haven't had a good center since Roberto Garza. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's going back almost a decade now. His PFF so, scores now, PFF for, for what, 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 you know, take it for what it's worth. But he's among the best pass blocking centers in the National Football League. And it's just not PFF. Other people have said that, that he's up there uh, with that. So, I love to have guards in the center that can fucking pass block because that's the quickest route to the quarterback. You know, uh, I've said it for so many years now. Um, you can get away with average tackles, but if you have a poor interior offensive line, your running game is not going to work, and uh, your quarterback is going to have to uh, run for his life. So we'll see. <clears throat> All right, brother. Um, anything else regarding the Bears that you want to talk about right now? I mean, it's early, but after the conversation that we've had, I mean, with minus all, you know, the tick jumps, I actually, <laughs> I actually do feel a little bit better about it because I was feeling negative when the mic came on tonight. I was like, God damn, man, Quinn's holding out and uh, <laughs> what are we going to get for him? How much drama is this going to manifest? We just need to be learning the system. But maybe you're right. Maybe he just he's making – his voice heard, and he comes back when it when it matters in July. Mm -hmm. I hope. Yeah, Jordan just posted something that saying, uh, "Well, bring in uh, Trey Hopkins or J.C. Treader and call it a day." You know, J.C. Treader, I know better than Trey Hopkins because Treader was with the Packers. How, uh, Treader was one of those guys. Aaron Rodgers didn't want to see him leave, and then he goes on to Cleveland, has a couple of good seasons there, and I think he's now. Avail I think he's still out in the street. He's get getting a little long in the tooth. I'm sure he would like to sign a multi-year contract. Can and he play right guard? No, he's he is solely a center. He is solely a center. But Patrick, oh, we've already got a center now. Yeah, I but mean. Pa Patrick can play that right guard position. He played it with Green Bay, so you could do that. And they're probably f uh, friends because I don't know if there's careers careers overlap. I, I doubt it, but. Um, you know, I, Patrick is a good guy. If, if Treader was picked up for center, then why not? You know, um, I could see that, but I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they, this team is really, really depending on their coaches to get these offensive linemen, linemen that they have on the team now, get them up to speed. And it may not look real promising right now, but hopefully it will be. So, We'll see. Uh, PJ asks, is a Quinn for Chris Jones trade possible? I don't know about that. I don't think Chris Jones – I don't know, I, to be he honest. He makes a lot of money. He does make a lot of money, and that's one of the good things that I like about what Poles is doing. He is trying to be as conservative as possible with his finances so that when he gets to that point, all right, I'm ready to spend on free agent dollars. And the reason people are going to want to come here is because Jordan Fields is playing great, because we've got a young core of players. This is a very promising team, and you can lure some of the some best players um, with money. So um, I don't know. I don't think he's he's Chris Jones would 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 uh, is is the right uh, <clears throat> choice. Uh, and then uh, Mike Pinnell was signed. Uh, Cliff asked if he's a starter or rotational player. It's funny because they, they uh, released Jeremiah Toshu uh, and then signed Mike Pinnell for the middle of the defensive line. Whom they cut last season. 
who they cut last season. That is right. So we'll see if Pinnell is just maybe let's take a look at him, kick the tires and see if he's any good. Or if he proves that he's worthy of making the roster, you know, I, I don't think he's a starter. I think he's a rotational player. Remember that Eberflus said that he wants eight guys on that four-man defensive line to rotate those guys around, which is one of the reasons I think Robert Quinn could have a great career with this Chicago Bears team because he'd be a little bit more rested and get in there on pass rush situations and just go get the quarterback. But we'll see. We will see. A lot, lot to see. Um, Nomad says Penal is a space eater. Sure, fucking is, um, and that's what you need uh, for your three tech uh, defensive tackle to go in there and uh, kick ass. Jordan says Penal, former KC player, so Poles is familiar with him. Yep, he would be very familiar with him. Um, you know, I, it, maybe next week we'll do a little research and come prepared to talk about free agents that are still out there on the street and, and talk about possibility of of. of kicking the tires. There aren't a lot of great names, but there's certainly some. So uh, we'll uh, we'll look into that. Um, Dan, how was your weekend? You know, usually we start the show by talking about your a little bit about your personal life, what's been going on and so forth. What happened uh, this weekend? Did you get lucky? <laughs> I just worked for the most part over the weekend. Really? Like I said, I'm in the midst of, uh, I'm not off again until Saturday the 25th when I have a a concert, like I said, Everclear is not my favorite band, but it's two miles from my house. No, oh, so it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go, but that's the next off day that I have. Mm -hmm. So, so um, I got to watch the finale of my show Gaslit, which again I keep telling you, yeah, it was good shit. It was good shit, man. We were, uh, my wife and I were ready to order stars to start watching it because we watched the first two episodes of the Watergate break-in uh, documentary on uh, CNN, and we got into that and. So uh, I said, I want to see Gaslit now. She goes, yeah, I want to see it now too. But it was late in the night, and so we didn't order it. But we probably will just because this uh, the CNN has done a really good job with the first two episodes of four episodes with where John Dean is recalling his role in the Watergate break-in. And John Dean, you he was fucking headed to, to jail. <laughs> he was taking oh, yeah. the fall for for Nixon, and I said, "Nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to rat." <laughs> and he, he did the right thing. Um, well done. Uh, uh, have you seen any of that, or have you seen the promos for it? I haven't seen what they've done recently, but going back years and years and years, like when it was like the 25th anniversary of Watergate, the mm -hmm. 30th anniversary. You know, like I said, I've watched all of those. I've even read the transcript. So like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and th that's, that's fun. I mean, just some of the things that they talk about, like, it's just so off the wall and crazy. Yeah. But and then when you're listening to like real meetings, like, you know, the proverbial fly on the wall with the president of the United States, like talking about like, you know, Vietnam and re real life stuff, you know, it's, it's fucking incredible to me mm -hmm. uh, that access. But you know, one of the things I, I learned from uh, Gaslit that I never knew, and it's such a minor, like tidbit, but I did not know this: is the G Gordon Liddy had his sins commuted by Jimmy Carter? Yeah, I didn't know that. You would never have that today. Oh fuck no! That there would never be, a, especially a Republican that would ever commute the sentence of a Democrat. Maybe well, that's vice versa too. Well, I was, don't know. It was interesting that in the. Uh, uh, January 6th committee hearings, we learned that Sean Hannity tweeted to Trump that he should pardon Hunter Biden. Uh, I don't know why 
he thought that would be a good idea for Donald Trump to do, but uh, it is it is true. It's one of the five bullet points that Sean Hannity sent to Trump when uh, the insurrection was happening. When number one was stop talking about the stolen election. <laughs> At least Hannity kept it real with him. You know, like I would have almost expected. If you would have told me six months ago, mm -hmm. do you think Hannity would have been one of the guys like Rudy mm -hmm. that was like, oh, we're going to you know, stop the steal and blah, blah, blah. I would have thought that Hannity was probably one of those true believers. But it, it appears that his intellect is, you know, above partisanship, at least on a private level. Yeah. Well, and we're learning, you know, a lot of people who were, um, you know, Trump MAGA type people in the White House were telling Donald Trump, "Hey, hey man, it's, it's it seems over. to be everybody, but Giuliani." <laughs> BJ saying, "Oh no, not politics. We're just talking about the news. It's not politics." BJ. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there is you know major hearings happening in the country. It's not like we just brought this shit up just because, <laughs> right? We want to beat a partisan drum. I mean, it is newsworthy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of important, PJ. Fucking bunch of people stormed the Capitol and wanted to kill Mike Pence, the vice president. <laughs> Which is what the next hearing is supposed Spike. to be about. Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, it, 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 I think it's, like I said at the end of last uh, week's show, I hope people are watching this. Uh, I think that anyone that is and has an open mind, they've got to be questioning, you know, what the fuck happened here during this last presidency and, and people that donated money, Trump raised $250 million after he lost the election on the stop the steal uh, collection campaign that he had. And he used that money to pay for his, to, for his kids and, and kids, girlfriend to make speeches. Kimberly Goyful making a two and a half minute speech introducing people. It's paid $60,000 from that contribution. Um, yeah, we're not going to argue here, PJ. We're, we're going to talk sensibly. I promise I will. Isn't it crazy that Ivanka's like, nah, I don't buy into this shit at all. I mean, his own daughter doesn't believe it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think at this point she's worried about her brand. You know, she's trying to sell dresses and purses and shit like that. And so she's trying to kind of separate herself a little bit from the chaos that went I on can't get dad. a feel for what Kushner thinks when I hear him talk. <laughs> I could see him being one of the beat the drum guys on that too. Yeah. Swanky wants to talk politics. He says all the Trump paid off Stormy Daniels and she's got nice boobies. <laughs> Stormy Daniels does have big artificial boobies. <laughs> and we know from Stormy Daniels that Trump has a very small penis <laughs> that had <laughs> an enormous <laughs> amount of pubic hair and a giant mushroom head. Think Toadstool from Super Mario Brothers. So let me ask you this. Would you start, suck Donald Trump's dick if we were to no. go to Super Bowl? <laughs> no. 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 Aaron Rodgers, yes. <laughs> I hate Aaron Rodgers, but. <laughs> what about Matt Nagy? Would you suck his dick? <laughs> no. God, I can't believe I've, uh, there's two people in the world that I dislike more than Rodgers. <laughs> Maybe I dislike Rogers more than Nagy. I, I don't know. What is it's, this? It's, <laughs> Go ahead, please. It's damn sure close. <laughs> what is this deal? People were uh, somebody in the chat room actually uh, knows the name of Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend. What is this? He's he's dating some some. Uh, They're saying girl? she's a witch, but then I read an article where she tried to say she's not a witch, but she has some weird fucking name like Blue the Earth or something. <laughs> 
I'm not kidding. That's the, to me the type of person that he deserves to be with a witch. <laughs> He's always in a relationship, and it seems like, again, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Bears fan, and it doesn't matter anyway, but I think he's. As the Kevin guy said, he's in the closet. And after that story came out where he was in a homosexual relationship for a couple of years, since that story's broke, mm -hmm. he can't go like two days without being in a relationship. Yeah. It seems like to me, it's just a put on. The guy is just so afraid that we'll know that he likes fucking dick. And it's, it's unfortunate because who gives a shit? Yeah. It would you be, know? If he is gay, it would be great for the LGBTQ com uh, community if he came Except out. Except for his playoff performances. Then they, <laughs> he might be setting the community back. Yes. <laughs> that is so true. I'm joking. But... I was, uh, the other day, let me see if I can find this. Uh, the other day I was sitting around uh, smoking some marijuana and having some weird thoughts. Um, but one of the thoughts that I had um, was about Aaron Rodgers. I wrote this down in my notes. Aaron Rodgers was the perfect NFL quarterback. He was he was just good enough to get you into the playoffs. When the rest of the team was good, they'd go deep into the playoffs. When they weren't, they'd get eliminated in the first round or so. He's he's only his only one Super Bowl was kind of lucky because he had there were 19 players on that team, and I think 10 of them were starters. That 2010 Green Bay team. That one, oh, the Super I hate Bowl. that team. Yeah. Uh, they, they had 10 starters, uh, guys who started the season starting uh, that didn't finish the season starting because of injury. Uh, so that was a lucky year for him. And I remember talking to Packers fans that were saying, yo, you fucking Bears fans are fucked, man. You know, when we get those injured guys back, this team is going to continue to roll two, three, four years straight Super Bowls and stuff. And it didn't happen. But my, my original thought on this is, you know, this guy is a great regular season quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Mr. October, man, Reggie Jackson, and they have a battle for it. Who owns the copyright? <laughs> Mr. October. That would be funny. That yeah, be man, he's, he's I, you know, I can't sit here as a Bear fan and, and say that, oh, he sucks in the postseason, but he kind of does. But he had the one year and he beat us in the championship game. And it still haunts me, man. It's. It's it's awful, but since that one year, I mean, hell, he was fifteen and one the next year, and they lost their first playoff game at Lambeau. At Lambeau, exactly. They lose all the time. It doesn't matter how good the team is. He's all he's the common denominator. Mm -hmm. And he is the common denominator in all these losses. And if if he were on any other team, if he's any other quarter, certainly if he'd have been Cutler, mm -hmm. he'd have just been hammered for all the losses. But he kind of gets a pass for it until. Later in his career, when people are just seeing how much of an asshole he is, is some people, you know, call him out like the Colin Cowherds and such. Yeah. Well, and Colin Coward, I think he was the one that said that uh, now Aaron Rodgers has seen how brutal uh, the public has been treating him because of his behavior. And, and he's trying to win people over and being a nicer guy during interviews and not being the snide asshole type, I, which I don't know if that's true, but he's starting to think, I think Coward's uh, uh, thesis was he has seen the amount of money that Tom Brady is going to make with that Amazon deal. What is it? 300, $350 million. And so Aaron Rodgers is thinking, Holy shit, what do I got to do to get that? And so he's, he's being a little bit more approachable and, and, and nice and, and stuff. So 
you we might see a, a different Aaron Rodgers, but he's not going to fool any one of us. The guy's a dick. He's he's a fucking dick. He yeah. is. The people always say that about Jay, but at least Jay and his radio interviews would show you or in podcasts would show you that he had some personality, whether you liked his personality or not, but he wasn't just the straight-faced, uh, uh, don't care, the caricature of him. I don't see another dimension with Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Rodgers really does seem uh, like the asshole that Cutler was portrayed as being for so many years, and maybe rightfully so for Jay. I, I don't know. But Rodgers is, na- is right out of the same clock, to use a cliché. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, CJ asked, uh, do you think that Rodgers wins a championship if he's, uh, or more championships if he's with another team? And I would say, yeah, I, I think if Bill Belichick got his hands on him, especially early in his career, he probably would have molded him into a multiple. See, I don't know, man. Like really? at this point, or maybe I misunderstood the question. I was thinking, if he went to another team now, and if so, I fucked up the question. I apologize. But to me, that's like Carl Malone going to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. They've just won three out of four championships. You figure, oh, it's a it's a sure win that the mailman gets a title. And or Steve Nash going to the Lakers. It just, I don't, I don't think that at this point. I think his best bet to win is there. And but I, I feel like it's kind of the window's a little bit closing. It's closing on them for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. The only way he gets anywhere near a Super Bowl is because in most years, the Bears and Lions are bad and Minnesota is average. Mm-hmm. And that's the same way New England got in all those years, playing in a shit division. By the way, I watched that Brady uh, 30 for 30. Oh, and Tooch uh, has too. He talked about it last week. And let's welcome the Tooch in at his Twitter account, at John Santucci VIP. John Santucci, how are you? Hello, I only have one good knee. <laughs> Are you willing to use <laughs> That is the question. I'll take Rogers and you take Nagy and Trump. <laughs> Man, I don't like that deal. <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should run a poll question in the chat and say, whose dick would you suck for the Bears to win a championship? Name somebody who will, who will, will grade uh, the responses to that. <laughs> Uh, How about you, Aldo? <laughs> <laughs> if I could possibly do it, which I can't because of all the fat I got out of my gut right now, I would suck my own dick. <laughs> How about somebody from the bar room from the past, like West, West Coast Phil? <laughs> no, oh, fucking <laughs> no fucking way. Have you ever uh, tasted your own sperm? No. <laughs> Well, I have. I'm gonna fucking admit it. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I like guess that. kind of, kind of like if, like, because I know for sure, like, if I've, I've, God, this is so dirty. But this, this let's is a say gay show we've ever done at the bar room. By the way, go well, ahead. Let's say I've ejaculated into a woman. Right, that, that's happened no. a lot in my life. I'm 41, and then they hadn't showered yet. Whether it was 30 minutes later, 20 minutes later, an hour later, two hours later. Mm-hmm. And then I ate their pussy. So I kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so like that, it's not like I'm coming into my hands and eating it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. I remember when we were kids, it was a big topic of discussion one night. We're all uh, teenagers smoking weed and, and talking about shit. And somebody asked the question, would you kiss a girl 
if you came in her mouth. And everybody was, no, fucking way, no, no. And I'm like, why not? You know, it's, it's your car. Wait, while it's in there? No, not while it's in there. But Okay, after, but you mean like a few minutes later. Yeah, after she swallowed Oh, yeah, it. that's fine. But, yeah. <laughs> Jordan is asking, how the hell did that occur, although you're tasting your own semen? <laughs> I hope it wasn't finishing your hand and just fuck it. It's like when you, when you I, I thought that when, yeah, really. I thought that when most kids, you know, are that age, you're curious. Well, how does this fucking creamy shit uh, uh, taste like? You know, you guys never experiencing a little little. No, dab I, I hate to admit this, but when I was younger, I was much more homophobic about things like that. Uh, as I got older, I don't want to say that like I went like Biden and the times changed and I evolved, but. Sort of. I mean, like, by, I think what the determinant, I'm not trying to be, make it political, but this is true. Like, I would have been horrified if you'd asked me this in 1999. Not that I had anything against gay people specifically, but I would have been like, no, no, no way. Never. You know, I would have never made jokes about thick sucking yeah. or anything. But, but by around <laughs> 04, when the the gay marriage thing came up so heavily with uh, with John Kerry and George W. Bush's election, I the this guy that I went to college with said, uh, I didn't have opposition to it necessarily, but he was talking about people in general. And he said, if someone's against gay marriage, the question to, I, I always posted, and this is what Joel was asking me or telling me, he's like, what, how does that affect your life if two guys get married? Yeah. And right. I thought that I was like, that's the fucking best thing I've ever heard. And it's just like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So again, at this point, I think from that moment on, like, I was just like, I don't give a fuck if people think I'm gay because I support this or. Or whatever, like I, I don't care if anybody accuses me of being gay. Period. But early on in my life, I'd have been much more uptight about this kind of conversation, and certainly wouldn't have been like, "Let me taste my own sperm." Fuck no, I wouldn't have. Tooch, Tooch knows that if you move into a neighborhood and there's gay people around, you got the, the the cleanest street in the neighborhood, the best decorated street in the neighborhood. It's oh, going to yeah, be yeah. Im impeccable. So I don't know why anybody would be offended or angry that that's going on. Oh, oh my kids saw two men kissing. Come, come on, tell the kids to go play ball or something. Not with their balls, but uh, play ball. <laughs> go play with your scrotums, kids. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Tooch, how are you? You walked in to a great conversation here. I'm here. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, you are. <laughs> Anybody in the chat room wants to know, too? Come on, did you ever taste it? At least give it a little. <laughs> I'm sure I must have accidentally after you know doing something. Yeah, I mean, even that yeah. you gotta have accidentally you know, like, start it. licking licking some some pussy, and you're like, oh yeah, I just came in there a while ago. <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, what the fuck? <laughs> it's going to happen. Right. Exactly. You don't let it stop you. Keep keep, keep going because the, the mission is for you to come again. <laughs> uh, you know what I always – both of you all have kids, so I got another dirty one for you. Okay. I, I, I haven't done this because, you know, like I said, I'm not a father. So uh, have you been with a, uh, a significant other that was about to have your offspring and just had them just douse you with their fucking breast milk? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And was that good? Was I, that hot? I had no problem at all with it. it <laughs> <laughs> in fact, when I was in college, I had sex with a girl who was pregnant. She wanted me to videotape her birth. And so we would go out to lunch and so forth. And then one night we got intimate and uh, there she was squirting away. And I'm like, like a little baby. <laughs> 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 the tooch has never happened to you, huh? I can tell by the expression on your face. Oh, yeah. 
when my wife oh. was pregnant and suck on those, get a little uh, nutrition. Nice. I'm yeah. a grown boy. Absolutely. That's why your <laughs> that's why your complexion is so good. <laughs> All those vitamins and nutrients you're getting. <laughs> All right, Tooch, well, take us off subject here. What do you want to talk about? What are you watching? What do you what do you what do you think about? Uh, we're watching the NBA Finals, of course, the Golden State and Celtics. You know, and uh, man, I. I think it's going to be the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I, Boston is Me so too. careless with the basketball. Yeah, the players disappeared. Hey, no, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, Warriors just have the experience, know how to how to win the games, you know, down the stretch and stuff. I mean, uh, the refs certainly were, were awful last night. You hear a lot of people talking about that too. But, I mean, you can't miss – 10 free throws because the game would have been a lot different if Boston just made their free throws last night, but uh, it was, it's still been a good, good. I, I mean, we definitely have the two best NBA teams playing. So uh, I've been enjoying the series and you got uh, NHL uh, finals starting tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The lightning, man. I, I like the lightning in this one. I just don't think they have uh, Colorado has got the goaltending uh, and, you know, Tampa Bay, like golden state have, they have all the experience for Stanley Cup Finals, so I'm probably on the on the Lightning uh, for NHL, and then uh, uh, I think it's Golden State's uh, playoffs to lose right now. We'll see, though. I, mean, I think I would PayPal you, Aldo, fifty dollars to ask Greg Gabriel <laughs> on his podcast if he's ever tasted his own semen. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry to go back to that; that just popped in my head. <laughs> I was listening to uh, uh, Greg, Greg Gabriel's show today. You know, he was talking about how he thought uh, Jeremy Atochu was going to have a good season. <laughs> yeah. That's your change. Right. He got a little dropped. different. <laughs> he got cut today. I think the very next day he got cut. <laughs> um, that's true. By the way, I got a chance. Uh, maybe I shouldn't talk about this, but I will because <laughs> I am burying myself. I got a chance to go to Greg's house. Holy fuck, man. The scouting business must pay really good money. He has got a gorgeous 4,000-square-foot home, uh, beautifully decorated. In fact, I shot some video uh, where he's showing some of his souvenirs and stuff, and so I'm going to edit it soon and post it, uh, so be uh, watching for that. But, uh, yeah, Greg, uh, and, and during the uh, 90 minutes I spent with him at his house, he did not share anything about, about drinking breast milk or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> who, did, who did Greg like as a kid? Do you know any of that kind of? Who was he a fan of? Oh, that's a good question. I'm sorry, Tooch. Go ahead. I, I thought he was like either a Giants, uh, a New York Giants, or a Buffalo Bills fan. I want yeah, to say that, Giants, though. He's going to talk about that. He he was uh, uh, he grew up in Buffalo, so he was a, definitely a, a Bills fan. And Gian uh, Greco was like that. Yeah, Mike Gian Greco. Gene Greco. And then uh, his first job. Uh, pro uh, for an NFL team was with the uh, New York Giants, I believe, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, I've got all that on videotape. I'm gonna uh, take some time in a weekend or two and edit that together. It'll be a nice little feature. He's got a beautiful home. Uh, his wife, um, uh, it was out of town. She was in Vegas, and uh, so I, I stopped over to take some promotional pictures of Greg, and uh, it was a great time. He's a great host, and he's got a gorgeous dog. That, if you watch any of the videos of Greg uh, Gabriel Talks Football, you see in the background his big old dog. I don't, I'm, it's not a Labrador, but it looks like a Labrador, 
big old dog that probably shits 20 pounds worth of shit every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way I can, I can draw a picture of how big the dog is. Um, but uh, great dog. Anyway, um, somebody asked uh, a question. Here. Oh, no, it was it had to do with um, uh, Cliff Victoria said that he took our our uh, suggestion on uh, the man who fell to earth, the Showtime yeah. series, yeah. and Cliff uh, went through six episodes. He loves it. Um, Dan, when are you going to get Showtime? Or you do have Showtime? When, when I do have Show. I watched the first episode and I just I, I didn't hate it, but mm -hmm. I didn't like the character mm. at yeah. all. I found him to be annoying. Not the actor. I mean, he's just playing the role. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, a lot of times there might be a character or an actor that I just don't like, but I, I hadn't seen this guy in anything before, so I didn't come into it thinking ah, I don't like him or something. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like that character. The 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 episode didn't impress. It didn't hook me, man. I didn't want to watch another episode. It was it was okay. I didn't hate it, but not enough for my in my busy world of not having a lot of free time. I didn't want to give them another hour. No, I understand that because it, it is a difficult character to understand and appreciate. It, it took me to even more so after this last episode. It's even <laughs> harder to understand him, man. It's I, like, I, where the hell are we after the last one? episode was yeah, great, great. Though, it? Yeah. Oh, man, the last three, four episodes. It, it, every week it just gets better and better and better. Um, yeah, I, I want to, you know, I want to say so much about the last episode because I think it was probably the one of the, if not the best one, then one of the best ones because the characters of uh, uh, Faraday and Newton Mm -hmm. Like got a lot more complex when it, the you know the, the couple reveals mm -hmm. uh, in this past episode. You're like, what the hell, man? They, you know. So, anyways, it, 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 I don't want to give it away. You just have to watch it. But, yeah, uh, let's not give it away. In fact, you know, I think there's three episodes left, so there's a lot of good stuff uh, to come. Now, the 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 uh, series did start. Uh, Dan, you probably remember this with the Faraday character, the man who came from another planet. Uh, he is giving like a TED talk, and he's truly super successful so everything that is going now is his kind of recollection of how he got to the point that he is and he's he's a scientist who has come to earth to uh develop a uh, uh what's it called uh to, to fusion um yeah it's like yeah, a fusion fusion reactor yeah. or uh something like that that's going to provide a clean a power to the entire uh earth and and going to change the way we we live and so we, we go through the story of how he's overcome all these obstacles and challenges to develop this thing. And we are assuming that he, he developed it because quantum fusion, quantum fusion. Thank you. Right. Uh, so uh, Dan, when, when you do have time, give it another shot. Um, this made me think of something real quick. If you don't mind me please. doing a, a sidebar uh, in a much different film and a different genre. And 40 years ago now, almost, uh, a movie with Jim, Jim Belushi and John Ritter was called Real Men. Okay. And it's a comedy, it's screwball comedy, whatever. But the gist of it is they're trying, like the aliens are offering Earth. The aliens just want water. Mm -hmm. They want some water. Mm -hmm. And in return, well, I forget how it is. It's like they'll give us uh, either the cure for cancer or like just some unbelievable diabolical weapon. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, even though they make it into a comedy, the CIA is trying to kill the the, the Americans that want to get the cure for cancer because mm -hmm. the government wants the weapon. Mm -hmm. 
And when you thought, when you said that about the fusion, it made me think of that. And that's probably the way it would be today. Mm-hmm. Like if we could, although we've had that positive cancer story uh, we talked about, I think a week ago, yeah. uh, if the government could get some badass weapon versus helping people, regardless of as a Democrat or a Republican in office, I feel like the government would want the weapon. You know, what was interesting is when you said the title was Real Men, I thought you were going to tell us about men with vaginas. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, that was in that film I told you called Men. That's why I thought that. It was called Which Men. you have to see. Uh, it's, it's, it's fucked up, man. It's crazy. That, that, that's kind of like the premise of the man who fell to earth, though. I mean, the, the, their planet is drying up, right? They won't, he's always drinking water from a hose. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know? But, yeah. I, I saw uh, The North Man. Has anybody seen that yet? No, I keep seeing that on Netflix or something. Uh, is it any, yeah. any good? Yeah, it's real good, man. It's got a great cast, too. Um, it, it's by the director who did The Witch, which is like two Vs, which. Right, you know, right. Just Robert Eggers, he's like kind of like, you know, kind of like a psychedelic, trippy kind of director, you know, at, you know, but uh, it's a lot of like Viking Norse mythology uh, story. Really good, man. Nicole Kidman's in it, Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, oh, wow. uh, Alexander Sarsgaard. Uh, Great cast. That, that chick from Queen's Gambit is really hot. And Anna Taylor Robb. Uh, mm-hmm. who, who Dan shall show, she'll flash her bush at you in this one, man. Get that one. <laughs> Whoop. That's hot. <laughs> so, Dan, uh, Dan is a bush. Dan, do you prefer clean shaven or bushy? Uh, clean shaven, like, is easier to go down on a lady, mm-hmm. but aesthetically, I think it looks really hot on a woman. I just do. I mean, I don't mean like on us. Like, it's I can't, disgusting. I have to agree with that. <laughs> but on on women, it just looks kind of hot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, so are you a lover of 70s, 80s porn? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Could it be like when we, because of where we grew up, you know, Aldo and Dan and I, you know, like just. Yeah, like, maybe so. Like you kind of, like that's the first image of like the lady when you were a kid and starting to beat off. And that's kind of gets burned yeah. and ingrained in your head, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've always thought about that, you know, it's like, that's just a product of when I grew up, you know, it's like, you know, the 70s was like, you know, Untamed bush everywhere. Oh my right? gosh! You see, uh, Seventy, like Cliff says, seventies porn is all about the bush. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Cliff. It was, um, and you know, you you would look at it now, you would think it's like some special effects because nobody encounters that anymore. Dan, you you probably are, are have uh, had uh, sex uh, with multiple women since uh, since your divorce. You think? <laughs> I didn't know how to put that. Um, but the majority of the women are clean shaven down there, right? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Uh, of course, there are some with just a little bit of stubble, that kind of thing. Or the stubble they thing shaved. I don't like, yeah. yeah. They haven't shaved in a day or two, but yeah. most of the time it's it's well kept. There was this lady, if, uh, there's, there's not much to a story to this, but I remember it was during the Phillies Tampa Bay Rays World Series, which I think was 08. Mm-hmm. And I had this like one night thing with this lady named Dana and uh, God damn, like, like I've never experienced, like I've never been with a woman where I just thought that's too much. Really? It was, it was too much. I mean, it was, it like, I can't even describe how much it just poofed up. It almost like if she were just walking around in her panties, it would like, you know, elongate, they would just protrude. The bush would kind of push 
the panties up a little bit. Even like, if it was grandma panties? I don't know. I wasn't with her that that much, like to know to know, But I'm just saying that it was the hairiest, most. Ex- it was a fucking '60s bush. Is how fucking crazy. <laughs> There's no way, because I would have been like 27 and she was around the same age. I guarantee she had never shaven and uh, shaved in her whole life. Mm-hmm. That's how hairy it was. Nomad like, asks, there's no way it gets that thick if you've ever. Nomad asked a question. Does ass hair bother you? Do you like that, too? Uh, I, you know, I never really try to notice that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, turn you around and see if you got any ass fur. No, I've never really do you, thought about Do that. you eat ass? I have, sure. No. So you've never noticed if there was it was hairy down there? It's usually dark. You know, hell, you know, like, let me let me turn on the fucking lamp here for this. Also, you you always have the light lights off, huh? You know, no, it's usually when I whenever I'm I get lucky, it's usually at night though. Yeah. Because I'm a I'm a, a nocturnal person. Yeah. Well, I know some people, you know, <laughs> like to have the lights on on their, you know, another help them find a hole or something. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. It's usually dark, I guess. I, it's not like there's like some, you know, scheme that I have developed like purposely to avoid something, but I don't know. Like I've, you know, fuck if I'm going down to a lady, I think it, most ladies, when you do that, it sort of accentuates um, their process of coming mm-hmm. or expedites it. You know, you kind of get them, they all kind of go like, Ooh, like they weren't expecting that when you yeah. do that. They all seem to sort of, they dig it. Yeah, anything to get the woman to come fast, I'm all for. <laughs> exactly, because then I can relax. Exactly. When, when they've had an orgasm, then I'm like, I'm off the hook. If if I end up fucking up, then everything's okay. Uh, uh, PJ says, I love Tucci. He's always quiet during his sex stories. <laughs> He's taking notes. <laughs> I ain't no Jeffrey Tubin though. <laughs> uh, you have ever ever had a three way? Uh, in college, yes. Oh, nice. Yes. Well, what were their male, the guys' names? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, two girls, one guy. Two girls, one guy. <laughs> what was the guy's name? <laughs> uh, threesomes are awesome, man. Anyone who uh, is young and hasn't had sex yet, try to start your sexual uh, adventures in life with a threesome. <laughs> See, it, it, I don't know. Like, I've only been in a couple, and they've been weird. Really? I, my, I had a girlfriend, like I said, in, in, from like 2000, 2004. Mm-hmm. It's the one I told you that story where I got caught getting a blowjob in a road stop, <laughs> yes. the DUI checkpoint. Yes. Yeah, that that girl was my girlfriend, and she just loved eating pussy, and I loved watching her eat pussy. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of times I'd hit it from behind while she was eating ladies, but I didn't touch with the other lady because it just, I don't know. Uh, it felt really strange and awkward to me, but I liked watching it at the same time. And then as I was older, I, t- I think I told you this before, that uh, – this lady tells me that uh, her uh, her sexual fantasy is to uh, have sex with a white man and a black guy at the same time. And you've got a friend who, who who would be perfect, right? I did. I He came over, and like I said, it was kind of like ta- tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. He had a run with her, tagged me in. I had a run with her. <laughs> like I, she, kept, she told me afterwards, she's like, I thought you were like going to start fucking me from behind while I was blowing him. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. It just... 
I don't know why I didn't. I felt like it was, I didn't want to interrupt his time or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you were to give wrestling names to you and, and your friend, what would it be? Like? <laughs> <laughs> would you be like Stone Cold Dan? No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, all right. Enough. How about Pussy Slayer 1 and Pussy Slayer 2? <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> we were a tag team with masks. <laughs> Maybe it was because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I love the segment of the show. People are, are always asking me, hey, why aren't you guys talking about Dan sex life more often on the Dan and Elder show? Well, I, it's anything that's present tense, I, I feel like is not really fair game. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, like I don't want to piss anybody off. And I, God, recently there was a lady, I'm not going to say her name, they got mad because I downplayed her story like i try to avoid it when you ask me a question and i she thought that i was saying that she wasn't any i'll just go ahead and say without saying her name it was when i was in florida and i was telling you that yeah you know i wasn't cool like shane marso who fucked a lady at woodstock 99 that he didn't know yeah yeah i was like you know i already knew her you know mm -hmm. and she and i told her i was like i was just trying to downplay it to not really say anything about it because i didn't know if you were cool about it mm -hmm. so i said a joke to get out of it and she got fucking mad and was like mad about it for days. Whoa. That, that made it weird. seem like I, that. Oh, I guess you think my pussy's mediocre. <laughs> so you were trying to be chivalrous, but she took that as an affront on uh, her. Abilities. Yeah. She thought that I was like saying that she sucked or something. And it was quite the opposite. Mm. I was trying to just like, again, like when Brandy came on last year and all that, we knew ahead of time she was cool talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't go around tell it like people I'm with and like, oh, by the way, I might talk about our shit on a podcast. Can you imagine how well that go over? Yeah, it wouldn't. So if they don't know if I'm going to, you know, if they if I don't know they're good with it, I'm not going to say anything until the story is so old. It doesn't give a fuck. Right. Nobody right. cares. Like the stories I'm telling you from like from like 2000 to 2014 or something like before I got married, typically. Because then they're so old now, nobody cares. The current stories, I mean, like I said, they I kind of feel like they're out of bounds. Yeah. And you and I have talked about you uh, potentially recording one of your uh, sex I'm not that I'm not worthy of having my myself on recording. <laughs> Even, you know, the moaning would be good. I mean, I, I can get sound effects, but I want the real uh, thing. I know, man. I, I can't do that. I mean, like I said, I'm like a goddamn polar bear. Fucking so. <laughs> A goddamn have, big white polar bear. Do you have like a go-to uh, 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 expression when you're having sex? You know, like I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. What is it like in the uh, Woody Allen movie Annie Hall? He's making sex. He's having sex with a, a woman, and and she asked him, "Why did you keep saying slide, slide, slide?" And he said, "Well, when I'm having sex, I think about baseball because I don't want to, to have premature ejaculation." <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is I'll, great I'll give you I'll give you a story about that. Then, okay. <laughs> without saying the other person, like the person was, uh, and I'm not going to say what year it was or anything, but it was it was after my divorce. Let's mm -hmm. say that. Uh, cause I don't, again, I don't, haven't talked to this person. I don't know whether they'd be happy or unhappy. So okay. of me talking about it. So suffice to say it was a girl and she was blowing me for like five, six, seven, eight minutes, whatever. Uh, and it got to the point where I was like, Ooh, 
if I don't stop this, things could happen, you know? So I inter interject and I'm like, you know, and I take care of her for a while and I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is good now. Like I, I've been away from receiving anything for at least 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I should be ready to resume the game. The rain delay is over and I should have to work it right back up for, for a while. Right. Wrong. Put it in that motherfucker. And it was just like, I just hit pause on the TiVo. I was like, it was, I was like, how am I ready to come still? How can I still be ready to go? It's been 15 minutes. And then, of course, I just finished all over and was embarrassed. I was like, I don't know, man. I tried to stop it. It just, uh, there was no bottle cap for this. Yeah. Like a volcano in a science project in school. I know. <laughs> and Mr. Uh, how do you pronounce that again, Twitch? Mr. Shorty. Mr. Shorty says it. Is that what he calls his penis? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Shorty says, you know, given what we're talking about, it must be June. <laughs> That's right. This, this is off-season talk. Thank you, Mr. Shorty, for the uh, pronunciation key. Um, what about you two? You know, I know that it's difficult for Tooch to talk about these private things because his kids are sleeping in the next room and they don't want to wake up, you know, hearing daddy say, yeah, I did this, I did that. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they tell mommy in the morning, daddy was talking about <laughs> sucking the milk from your titties last night, <laughs> which <laughs> you did. <laughs> so I understand the reluctance to talk. So, uh, Tooch, is there anything else you want to bring up about your... Uh, streaming experiences uh the last week or so uh start well i mean uh jordan silvera was in the chat room he's going through like all of his binge man and i you know all the ones he mentioned i would totally recommend uh, stranger things ozark and uh peaky blinders mm -hmm. you know three great series and those are all perfect for binging actually peaky blinders season six just dropped i think yesterday wow. so I, I gotta get on that but uh uh, I, I, I started and like people have been saying for all mankind is really good. I haven't watched it. I watched the first episode. I was like, I kind of like Dan, it didn't really hook me yet, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, uh, yeah, Jordan's like, yeah, stranger things is great, man. If you grew up in the eighties, like I did, it's yeah. like, it's like a slice of nostalgia pie. It's great. <laughs> it's just, yeah, the guy on uh, Science Fiction said that this season is uh, they pay a lot of homage to Nightmare on oh, yeah. Elm Street, yeah, uh, for sure. Some other ones. And Robert England is uh, makes a cameo in a couple. Oh, episodes cool! Too, so Freddy Krueger himself. I got a great uh, story. I got a you know I should I should share this when I have the video ready, but I only have it on VHS. But uh, when Nightmare on Elm Street two came out, Robert England came to town to promote the v, uh, video cassette release of it. And so the PR person called me and I say, yeah, we'll interview him. But, hey, can we videotape him while he's putting the makeup on? Oh, yeah, I can arrange that. So we go to the hotel room. There's Robert. I sit down and do a, a, an interview with him. Great guy. Very smart. Shakespearean trained actor, as he said about himself. And talked about, you know, the, the Freddy Krueger myth and how young teenage girls were hitting on him. He was a sex symbol. Great interview. And then we start the taping. And uh, it took about 90 minutes for them to apply 
the prosthetics on. It wasn't the exact makeup kit that they use for the movies. Uh, that's a little bit more elaborate. Would have taken another hour and a half, <clears throat> but it was good enough to go on public and look exactly and sound like Freddy Krueger. And so, as soon as he's done, uh, he opens up the curtain from his hotel room and he goes, "Hog butcher of the world, we'll see." <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it was awesome. And then, and then we follow him uh, uh, to a couple of video stores and pick up all this great B-roll. And then I'll never forget this. Was that uh, Carl, Carl Sandberg, right? Uh, 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 Hog Butcher for the World? Oh, yes. That, that, you're right. right. That's, that was his line. Uh, he right. wrote about Chicago. And then uh, when we, I go to say goodbye to him, and, you know, I always fuck up names. Instead of saying and you goodbye, fucked up his name. I fucked up his name. <laughs> And then the funniest thing is he's in total makeup and he looks at me like he was about ready to take the, those cleavers on his hand and, and scratch my face up. <laughs> I'll always feel really stupid about that. But uh, the video turned out good and I'll, I'll, I'll digitize it and share it with you guys one of these days. <laughs> yeah, I can't. That was Nightmare on Elm Street was what, 1983, I want to say, or 85? 84. Yeah, so it's around there, man. Uh, yeah, uh, I would have been like fifteen or sixteen years old, but I mean that was it was pretty scary back. That was a, it was a, one of the scarier movies. Yes, it I changed know. my life. How really? so? How so? Uh, you know, my mom was one of these ladies that had to work. You know, and basically was dependent on my sisters a lot of times to babysit me because mm -hmm. uh, my dad would be at the VA hospital. But it was one of those deals like um, my sisters wanted to go to like a neighbor's house. And they were dependent on going if they took me too. Mm -hmm. And of course, they didn't really want to take me because, you know, they're 10 and 9 or something. And I'm like 5. You know, they don't want to deal with me right now. Or 11 and 10 and I'm 5, whatever. And uh, so they knew for because so, we'd already started renting movies as, as a family. Mm -hmm. So they just sat me in front of the TV. And then they could do whatever little girls did at that time, you know. <laughs> but A Nightmare on Elm Street came on HBO. And I sat there at the neighbor's house watching this completely unsupervised mm -hmm. and watched the film all the way through. And it, like I said, it changed my life. And from that moment on, I, I, my dad was cool with it. Like me watching shit that I shouldn't, the horror movies. And I, I was on board, man. Even my yeah. mom, we saw Hellraiser at the theater together as a family in 87. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't even turned seven yet. So, but that was the first one. And it just, like I said, it didn't scare me. Like the exorcist didn't scare me. I could wow, I really? could think in my head, Fred Krueger's not real, the devil's not real, but by God, that fucking dog and Cujo, that dog, that dog could be real. Mm -hmm. So Cujo was yeah. the one that scared me. But none of the other movies ever really scared me. Cujo terrified. Yeah. It, isn't it kind of hard to get scared by a movie? I mean, I, I think for me, I've it's only been a few movies. I mean, one of them was, I was the a exorcist. Kid, though. Yeah, no, I I'm, I know I, I I don't know if any movie now would scare me. I think more it would just be like uh, getting nervous or something. But uh, uh, the the alien, the first alien, I, I saw when I was eleven years old, and my my uncle took me to see it. I, was, I, I had nightmares for weeks after that. The, the uh, alien popping out of my stomach or chewing its <laughs> that was chewing its way out of my chest cavity. <laughs> you know, I was afraid of that for I would. I got like I didn't even want to go out to eat with my family anymore, so I was afraid I'd go. I'd end up in the restaurant on my back with one of the, the alien come out. You know, and, uh, you know, my death would embarrass the family that way. 
Well, you know, the thing about the, that original nightmare, and I think maybe some of the other ones, there, there was something deeper going on outside the normal, you know, thrills and, 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 and chills of a horror movie. This was a, a little bit of a deeper movie about, you know, falling asleep and all of a sudden your nightmares come yeah. alive and teenage uh, sex uh, sub themes and so forth. It, it was really good. I, I'll never forget the guy who recommended this movie to me. He was a guy who really didn't like horror movies at all. He says, yeah, I was just on and I'm uh, reading the newspaper and all of a sudden I keep like looking up from looking at the, news, at the newspaper and I'm seeing what's going on in the screen and it's just sucking me in more and more and more. And then uh, he uh, ended up seeing it a second time and he, he came to work. I was at CBS at the time and, and he says, you got to watch this. It's fa fucking fantastic. And it is. It, it really is very well done. Wes Craven, a yeah, great yeah. horror filmmaker. Did uh, any of you ever scare I'm sorry. Did it scare me? Did you have a any movie ever scare you? Well, you know, I think that there are some that there might be some imagery uh, that might tap into my childhood fears, you know, mm -hmm. like claustrophobia. Uh, sure. When I grew up, I was terrified of rats and spiders because I grew up in a New York tenement in Spanish Harlem, and and the the cockroaches and the spiders were in my sugar bowl, and the rats were crawling around in the in the apartment that we lived. And so, you know, those things terrified me as a kid. Yeah. And so sometimes when I see that in a movie now, it'll kind of you know touch off that those memories of being terrified as a kid. But as a whole, no, I haven't seen a movie that's really scared me in a long, long time. That rat thing, man, that was me too. Well, we lived in a, a trailer until mm -hmm. I was 15. Mm -hmm. And God, we lived beside a river and or a creek. What a, It was a body of water. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed to be like uh, rats just decided they would come to our, our trailer every day. Mm -hmm. And you have friends over and if they see them, it's just so dehumanizing. And like, you know, you open up the drawers and like see your drawers and fucking socks and there's rat shit on them. And, oh, God. That's yeah, awful. it was just the worst feeling. And if for any reason you woke up in the middle of the night and there was a rat and you saw it, mm -hmm. like I, I was petrified of rats because of that too. And just so embarrassed to have people over. And yeah, it, it really was dehumanizing. And mm -hmm. there's no other way around and not to try to like you know make this into a therapy session but i can relate to you on that it was just horrific oh, like, moviegoers have a a fascination with being scared in the movie theater or during a movie you know they love for the thrill you know they love to be scared don't, i mean don't you think uh at least that's that's uh, uh why hollywood keeps making them you know trying to get the scare out and the people kind of say well eh, if it's just a jump scare you know that's all there was you know, it wasn't really that scary. You know, you have to, mm -hmm. you know, get into uh, something a little more visceral, you know, that nowadays, you know, I mean, I, I can't think of the last movie that I was actually kind of scared in, you know, uh, uh, recently. I know uh, Nomad mentioned the Jordan Peele movie. I got to tell you, Us was a little scary. Oh, if you yeah, haven't I'll seen see. that, the, the chick with the scissors, man, that was a little, <laughs> a little unnerving. But yeah, I would agree with Nomad on that yeah. one, man. The, well, you know, That's since the scary. beginning of time, people have been sh sharing scary stories around the campfire, yeah. you know, and, and there is some people love to be scared as long as they know that they're safe. It's why people go on amusement parks and get on the roller coaster. You want that momentary yeah. uh, scare. Uh, and so uh, what, what, unfortunately, what's happened with movies over the last 20 years is that they've become more slasher films as opposed to true horror. Now, there are exceptions to that, of course. But, uh, 
you know, the, 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 the slasher films kind of appeal to somebody else. It's not so much about getting scared. It's about some, some people just want to see people get slashed to smithereens. I'll, I'll never forget. Um, what was the name of that series of films that was uh, the first one started about uh, an airplane that crashes and a kid has a premonition that the airplane is going to crash? Um, and uh, is, is, Final, Destination. A... Final Destination. You guys ever seen any of those? Right. Yeah. I, th I saw the first one. Okay, and Dan, you saw one of them? No, I, I didn't see any of them. Okay, well, it, it, it's basically uh, evil uh, is going to uh, death is going to catch up with you, and uh, in all of these movies, somehow death is unleashed, and they're coming after you, and there's no fucking way to avoid it. In the DVD commentary with the director, I don't remember his name, but he said that after they did the first cut, they, they showed it to a preview audience, and the preview audience says, it's a good movie, but we needed to see more deaths. And over and over and over again. And so they went back and killed off another couple of characters because that's what the preview audiences wanted to see. They wanted that thrill of have, seeing somebody get their head sliced off, uh, somebody dying in a, a grease fire at home, somebody getting run over by, by a bus or whatever. All they, and they would try to come up with creative ways to dust people off. And so that's what horror movies, unfortunately, for the most part, have become now nowadays as opposed to the true horror stories from from yesteryear yeah nomad said uh the howling do you remember the howling sure yeah. i loved howling too that oh. was like one of my guilty pleasures yes the howling series was fantastic um who's the director of that there was a famous director on that but it's joe dante i think you're right i think it was joe dante but those are that that that's uh i think i saw two also uh dan those were excellent movies the one with the black lady that's on the front of the cover yeah yeah it's called your sister is a werewolf uh, <laughs> yeah i love that christopher lee is in it too and I, I know it's a bad movie but like i said i mentioned that on a show we did about a year and a half ago during the summer we were talking about guilty pleasures movies that you knew sucked mm -hmm. but that you enjoyed and that's the first one that comes to my head mm. what i wanted to say earlier though when tush yeah. and i talked on each other uh, was a nightmare in Elm Street. I don't know if you know this. New Line Cinema was about to go out of business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was completely in the red, and then that movie saved the fucking company. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say I too the first three, and then Dan, when they become comedies, I didn't like them anymore. Yeah, they started getting really broad with uh, a lot of comedy aspects to it. But yeah, uh, Dan Dan couldn't see that clip right that Aldo played for. No. Uh, uh, so Dan, at the beginning of the clip that Aldo played for Nightmare on Elm Street, it had this like really old New Line Cinema logo. <laughs> Man, I was like, that brought, I mean, I was like, wow, look at New Line Cinema because their their one now is so recognizable. Mm -hmm. You know, with a uh, 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 New Line Cinema, you know, these days, I uh, I was like, wow, I'm, I don't remember that, but that uh, Dan uh, brings that all full circle for me. Dan's comment. Yeah, it uh, it it it's the New Line Cinema logo. I'll play it again. Uh, is reminiscent a little bit of um, the Stranger Things logo and how uh, that starts. Uh, right. Yeah. You exactly. See, I don't like those yep. kids, man. That's why I can't watch Stranger Things. You don't like the kids, huh? They fucking the ruined the Ghostbusters movie. Like, I, I just I don't <laughs> like teenagers. I think. <laughs> There it is. I, they really ruined that Ghostbusters movie with Paul Rudd. I thought Paul Rudd was going to be the star, and it's the fucking Stranger Things kids. I just I didn't know that. I haven't seen God, that. Damn it, man. I, I, 
I, I, I do think of one one that was like a little bit scary recently. It's, it's the Jeepers Creepers series. Oh, and I love seen Jeep, The first one was really fucking scary, man. Yes. Like the Because uh, the demon was like unstoppable, that winged demon, mm-hmm. you know. And he was yeah. weird, you know, and he had this horrible house of death, you know, that they accidentally stumble into. Yes. They're all kind of scary. At least I think there was like two or three of the movies made. Yeah. But uh, that first one had a lot of chase scenes where yeah. this demon is driving a truck and it's just uh, after this uh, right. teenager and his sister, and it's it, it does get you get your blood pressure going a yeah. little bit. That one uh, did, yeah. The second one I thought was really cool. It was a bunch of teenagers and basketball team, yeah, yeah, and football and the, team, whatever. The bus it was. gets stranded, and uh, this fucking. Yeah, Dan, you haven't seen uh, Jeepers Creepers? No. Yeah, it's uh, this boogeyman is chasing these kids and killing them off one by one. It's really a well done film. Yeah, the, the first how... one's great. You yeah, know, it's super scary. It has like a it has you know like a really downer ending too. Yes, so. yes, it does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Dan should check out the first at least the first one, man. The the director was pretty talented. Mm-hmm. American Werewolf in London. Uh, Jim I saw Landis, that. Jim Landis yeah. directed. Yeah, yeah, John Landis. Yep. John Landis. Has, uh, yeah. Excellent film. He did. He's the same director where Vic Morrow got his head cut off by the helicopter blade. That, right? is, is, that... that is correct. He okay. did the one sequence in that Twilight Zone uh, anthology film. Spielberg did one. Uh, uh, well, so. Uh, Couple of other directors did did features on, uh, based on. Old I Twilight. saw it on YouTube, like the actual death. Oh yeah, did you? With the yeah, helicopter. the footage is on YouTube right now. Oh, the helicopter actually like chops his head off as he's running with. Yeah, two kids, right? I mean it's zoomed out. It's not like it's you get to like if you wanted to beat off to some kind of decapitation, like some kind of sick fantasy. It's not going <laughs> to achieve that, but just out of sheer like, oh my god, there's no sound or anything on the the video. <laughs> But it's just like, oh fuck! <laughs> you ever you ever beat off to uh, uh, what's it called? Stuff porn or it's not snuff porn? Snuff, snuff porn, yeah. You ever beat off? My to friend that? John told me that he saw a scene where a lady had a stoma. You know, like the you know, they fucking you smoke too much or something. Oh. You have an open hole, mm-hmm. and the dude stuck his dick in the stoma. <laughs> and pulled it out and had all kinds of slimy shit on his dick. I was like, God, I'd never want to see that ever. Yes, you would. <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. No. That's terrible. Uh, J2K Larsonite uh, says Pan's Labyrinth wasn't a horror movie, but it was pretty scary. I yeah, agree was, with you. Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth is an outstanding movie by Guillermo uh, del Toro. Uh, subtitles, but uh, don't worry about it. It's it's a spectacular film. Del Toro is a genius. Um, did, uh, did did Dan see Hostel? Yeah, I didn't really like it. I liked the second one better. That uh, the Hostel two, like the, someone had their Achilles cut in it, which was yeah, it was yeah. horrible. Was that yeah, one or, I think that was one, wasn't it? One, one, he got his Achilles cut. I think. Well, I, I like the second one. I, neither one of them, I would be like, oh, dude, you got to see these. You know, I'm more. I guess I kind of like. Older horror movies better. That was a little scary, though. I gotta admit, Hostel. The uh, this the situation was was you know uh, adrenaline filled. This <laughs> like European, Eastern European folk paying to kill uh, uh, unwary Americans. You know, in the most horrible ways. But you oh, know, uh, Eli Roth, the yeah. director, 
the writer of those um, movies. He's he's actually become a prolific horror film director. Uh, Cabin Fever. Yeah. Uh, he did one in 2015 with Keanu Reeves called Knock Knock, which I just happened to stumble on. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, it's damn good. Keanu Reeves plays a writer. His family has gone off yeah. to the summer home, and he's at home working by himself. And these two gorgeous girls knock on his door. And what happens after that is really yeah, fucking great. popular. The, the ending was so-so, but the movie overall is great. Eli's an Eli uncomfortable uh, role for Keanu. It's just like so like atypical. You know, mm-hmm. it, you, you, know, you, you almost think it. of him like the good guy, and he's like this, like just kind of a jerk. You yeah. know, <laughs> you that, uh, he's gonna do speed three. Oh, because he didn't do the sequel, Sandra Bullock did it without him, and uh, but he's agreed to reprise his role from the first one. No, oh, Keanu, I'm sorry, I thought right. you were talking about Eli Roth. Oh, no, no, wow. speed, like Keanu Reeves is going to do speed three. See, how can they make you know? I, I just the other day, uh, I saw speed two on my list of stuff as I was uh surfing, and I don't think I saw speed two. How can they make that any better than speed the first speed? I mean. I don't it know. The second one I never watched. It had Jason Patrick That's in the right, role. Yeah. yeah, they were on a speedboat is what the title read, uh, the description uh, read. So I, hopefully they come up with a good, good script for script uh, uh, Speed 3 because that would be fun to watch. Uh, Cabin Fever, the Eli Roth movie, is a fantastic movie. Agree with you, Jordan. Um, it, there was one other movie that I wanted to mention, and I just fucking lost it. Um Anyway, um, Nomad asks, how scary is Black Dracula? You guys any seen of these black exploitation films that were no. horror movies? There's been a couple of good ones. Black Dracula, I don't remember if I saw that one. Um, I'm talking about 70s, 80s, uh, when the black exploitation films you know, were very popular. We, me and my friends would go downtown to the McVickers Theater, pay our dollar fifty, and watch a uh, triple bill of, of films. They were usually... Uh, as Variety newspaper would call them, chop sake movies, karate movies with Bruce Lee and, and, and so forth. But every once in a while, we would go see a, a, a trio of uh, black exploitation movies like The Mac and Superfly, and, and those films are fucking great. Um, almost uh, jacked off to one in the one in, in a movie theater. Coffee with Pam Greer. Man, she's so fucking sexy, man. I was getting a heart out. I thought about taking my dick out. Very hot. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, we got how much time you got, man? About ten minutes. It's the floor is yours, man. What do you want to talk about? Tell us some deep down secret about um, anyone you may have killed. Or, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I, I I grew up. My uncle told me when I was like four years old. He, he came up to me and he goes, I, "I saw what you did." And I go, "What, what are you talking about?" I saw what you did. I saw you kill that guy and throw him into a garbage can. And it fucking petrified me. It's, it's bad enough that there's fucking <laughs> spiders and roaches and, and rats in my house. But now my uncle is telling me that he saw me kill somebody and stuff him into a garbage can. It really affected me for fucking years, man. It gave me like a guilt complex. Like I had done something wrong when I when I didn't. Did you guys ever experience something like that? You have an evil uncle who fucked with your head? I have to think about that. Dooch is nodding yes. Yeah. Dooch, reveal. Bear your soul. <laughs> well, except my uncle, my uncle was like, uh, he would, uh, uh, you know, be the, the the naughty uncle. He, like, took me to see Alien when I was 11. You know, that's uh, the same uncle. You know, my yeah. uncle took me out. And then, you know, he'd take, 
he'd love to get out with me and my brother, you know, and just like drive around and stuff. Uh, you know, he they live. My grandparents lived in Minneapolis, my mom's mm-hmm. side of the family. So we used to go up there and swim in the, the lake. They lived on one of the lakes. We used to go up there mm-hmm. swimming and fishing and stuff. Michael would, you know, take us to get high and stuff. You know, the bad, you know, nice. the naughty uncle, you know, <laughs> take us to the great, the best burger restaurants. So I got a little older. He'd go to the bar, uh, the bar, uh, the breweries, sorry, brew pubs and stuff in mm-hmm. Minneapolis. And uh, uh, he, uh, my uncle, like, never really. Like grew up, you know. He 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 didn't like to work. So okay. was like, he was the cool uncle, but he really was good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he would have like a series of jobs, you know. Maybe work a little bit here, a little fixing people's computers, you know. Worked in a computer shop. Then he didn't like that. Then he his thing was like get. He had like a ton of get rich quicks. Uh, oh yeah. Schemes. That was his yeah. thing. You know, got to do. You got to invest in this penny stock, or whatever. You yeah. know, it's almost yeah. like a, you know, I got a yeah, tip. Like you know, stuff like that. Buy this. You know, it's the, that was the kind of dude. I loved him to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then uh, he, he he would go out and sometimes hustle pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, he hustled he hustled the wrong guy when he was forty nine, yeah. and uh, they beat him to death, in, uh, death in the pool hall. Literally, yeah, he, oh, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, my uncle. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, unfor- unfortunate end, you know. And, uh, I thought uh, this was going to be like the Hustler ending where Fast Eddie, Paul Newman, you know. I wish. I, I, you know, I miss him a lot, you know. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was an, I mean, like, they got offended, you know. Or, you know, he was playing with their girl, mm-hmm. you know, against two guys. And he, he was playing with the girl that came mm-hmm. with the two guys, you know. And they were, they were kicking their ass, you know. I'm sure my uncle was, like, you know, rubbing it in and stuff. And one of them, like. You know, hit him over the head with the with the cue. You know, they were fighting. Yeah, and that was it. He blow to the head, killed him. Jesus. You know, yeah, uh, uh, miss him to death. You know, it was great. Right, Dan, for me. He was a great guy. You know, but he used to do stuff like that to scare me, like practical jokes and stuff. Yeah, and so, some of that can make you, you know, yeah. streetwiser, and and it can actually mm-hmm. be kind of good. But sometimes yeah. you can <laughs> the evil uncle can take it a little too far, like mine did. Fucked with my yeah. head for years. I can answer this now, but if I do, it's it's negative, and it, but it's deep, man. It's burying your soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. You want <laughs> Jordan, to sorry, oh. Jordan. I apologize. <laughs> I had two uncles that constantly, when I was like three or four years, three or four years old, that would just ridicule me and tell me how ugly I was. Damn. And I would, yeah, they would always say like, "God, you're an ugly one," and shit like that. Now, if I was an adult, now I'd be thinking, "Look at you two motherfuckers." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, they they gave me this this enormous complex mm-hmm. that I probably never shook. That's horrible. Because they constantly were just telling me how awful I was or something. And as a young kid, I mean, it definitely it definitely just made me be defensive in, in my entire life. I mean, I'm a grown man now. It's my fault, not theirs. But uh, from in my childhood, it certainly was their fault, and it's pretty fucked up. But both of them uh, uh, died terrible ways and you know and i i try to to lose that resentment you know like the one uncle had gone through chemo in the 80s because he had he had to get his tongue cut out from smoking he had throat cancer and they had to cut his tongue out so he could barely speak anyway to where you could understand him and they told him he had six months to live and wouldn't you know it that's 85 six and it's 2003 and he's still alive and he's at do you, did you all ever have like were you out that part of the country called Ryan's Steakhouse? 
No, I, we don't have those in Chicago. Well, it's closed now since the pandemic, but it was a buffet mm -hmm. uh, of good food that I knew it was on this side of the country. I didn't know if it went out there, but um, yeah, he was at Orion's and uh, started to choke and a dude gave him the Heimlich, but because his bones were so brittle from all the chemo he went through, he like crushed his fucking ribs and, and he's almost, he died in the Ryan's restaurant on the floor. Wow. Yeah, just terrible. I mean, the guy was trying to help. He didn't know. Mm -hmm. And then the other uncle ended up kind of the reason I filed for divorce was part of like his story. His wife, my aunt, just up and left him. And like that happened to my grandfather too, but I don't want to waste the last few minutes on this. But to say, suggest that suffice to say he was alone the last couple years of his life. And it was just really, just really down and depressed. And he died alone. He just evidently had a heart attack and fell on his face. And because all the blood rushed to his, his face mm -hmm. where he, because the way he fell, like his face was really purple at mm -hmm. his, uh, he, he just died alone. And, and, and it, it was my mom's like best friend in life. It was her younger brother. He was two years younger than her. So it, it really crushed my mother, but, uh, both of them really crushed me at a younger age. But uh, again, I, like Chooch said, uh, I hate that they died and I hate that I still have this resentment about it as well. Yeah, that is fucked up, bro. I didn't know that. I mean, who says that shit to a kid? That's terrible. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Nomad says, I witnessed three murders unwilling. Uh, pray you never have to witness a man take his last breath. Nomad, I'm with you there. I've seen I two have guys. seen that. How many have you seen? Because I've seen two. Nomad is, is winning. Can you top three? <laughs> no, just one. Uh, my father-in-law, I watched. He had leukemia. He was a doctor, too. Mm-hmm. But Marissa's dad, uh, I watched him take his last breath, and it was just awful. Mm. PJ says, watching someone die is hard. It's tougher when they die in your arms. Not fun. Yeah, that is not fun at all. Yeah, I had a dog die in my arms, and that was bad, let alone uh, a person. Jeez, did he, like, he died, died, or did did he die seconds after you gave him to the vet or something like that? No, I had a, I had a terrible neighbor that always kept my dad high and was part of the reason my dad can never stay straight and was this motherfucker just this real piece of shit but in a non-city or rural kind of place i'm not saying it's the wild wild west but in a lot of ways it is when it comes to law enforcement so this guy just got away with everything uh, like he would poison he poisoned my dog he shot my sister's dog at one point in the face jesus yeah, it, it, but he poisoned my dog. It was a husky. I was twelve. My dad oh, had just died I too. I love huskies. And my he had the one blue, the blue eye and the one brown eye, you know. Oh, yeah. And my uh, grandmother was still alive. She gave me um, some shit that she said would make him vomit immediately, and it did. Whatever it was, mm -hmm. and he vomited all over me. And I thought, well, maybe that's good. But yeah, I was holding him when he died. So because that fucker next door poisoned him. So and that guy's dead now too. So mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but. <laughs> kind of happy about that so yeah yeah i had a dog who was poisoned too and i learned um i, I came home i was like 12 years old and my brother is in the living room and he's crying and i'm like what the fuck happened he goes our dog died he had named the dog bobby it was really his dog yeah, I go, how the fuck did that happen he goes i took him outside and he's running around in circles like he usually does when when we uh leave him outside and all of a sudden he he stops and just keels over and um, he said that the police came and they, I don't know if it, if it happened immediately, but they learned that the dog had been poisoned 
And what happened on the same day is that our neighbors up in the third floor who dealt drugs from their apartment, they were robbed. And so probably what happened is that they poisoned the dog in order to get upstairs and, and rob the drug dealers. So not fun. Not fucking fun. Well, uh, that was our show. For- <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah, man. Leave us with some good man. news. Leave us leave us with with one of your, your all-time favorite fuck stories. Does he have <laughs> a, a, any dates coming up? Yeah, exactly. Any, uh, uh, no, I mean, not specifically. I, I have those concerts. Uh, you know, it's. I would imagine at some point I'll be with the ladies that during those, but maybe who not? Maybe I'll be the guy. I don't know. But <laughs> I Aaron might take Rogers. my cousin or something. I don't know. I'm trying to desperately be a positive influence. I'm not to sound arrogant, but you know, he's the guy that stole from me and it's stolen from my mom and it's gotten out of jail since February and has apparently been clean. And like I said, we grew up like brothers, even though he's my cousin, he was much tighter than just a cousin. Mm-hmm. He's technically my second cousin because he and my dad and his dad were first cousins. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm trying desperately to 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 give him a second chance and to be, you know, let him know that I care and stuff. And so maybe I'll take him, you know. He did some work on my roof, for example. And Yeah, you mentioned that to me. Yeah, I bought the tickets uh, for he and his son because he has a son that's 13. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's talking about how much he wanted to take his son to a concert so they could have a, a bonding experience together, like his first show. So... I bought both of them tickets for Rage Against the Machine uh, to go with me and whomever else I'm with, just to kind of tell him like how thankful I was that he, you know, fixed my. I had, again, I had some shingles get blown off because of wind, you know, mm-hmm. and it most certainly would have been a, a roof leak had it not been fixed. And he took care of it, and he busted his ass for like three hours. I got stung by fucking bees. Ugh. There was a yellow jacket's nest up there that you couldn't see from the road, you know, or from in the yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got stung by bees. I mean, he just worked his ass off. So yeah. I'm trying to help him, and I hope that he can stay clean and not relapse. I, I don't know. Yeah, one day at a time, man. One day at a time. I hope he views it that way, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the kind of console you can give a guy like that, and, you know, hopefully he takes it. Uh, and the fact that you're doing that for him and his son is a great gesture. So I hope you, hopefully you guys have a great time. Yeah, it's not till July 29th. I just hope that. He doesn't fuck up between now and then, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's right. And I got two tickets again for nothing. Then <laughs> I'm, I'm flying down, man. I'll meet you down there. <laughs> That's it's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'll fly there. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, a, I, mean, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with Everclear. I'm probably familiar with some of their songs, but when you say the name of the band, I I, I can't think of a tune off the top of my head. Okay. Well, don't don't go anywhere before I go. Okay. Just let me. On my phone, just let me play the riff of one song, and I'm fairly certain you're gonna be like, "Oh, okay. again, it's not my favorite band by any stretch, but it's just that, that they're local, mm-hmm. or not local, but the the show is local, like right yeah. by my house. Yeah, it's playing an ad. Hold on, uh, you've had to have heard this. This was a big hit in '95. Yeah. Not, you haven't heard this album? No. Wow. I, I remember. I can't remember the name of it. It's like killing me that I can't remember the name. Well, well, I'm wrong then. You haven't heard it. That was a big radio hit, like I said, circa 95, called Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Yeah, they played Woodstock 99 and did a really good show. Yeah. Uh, 
it's the 30th anniversary of the band. And like I said, they're going to be local. So if, if I had to travel to this, I wouldn't go. Mm -hmm. But it's two miles from my house. And I can assure you where I grew up, where I live, it's usually country or bluegrass that's close. <laughs> and I'd rather be dead to be at one of those shows. <laughs> I, the, other than that, the only thing that sticks out in my head is like I've uh, close to my house, I've had Nelly. Mm -hmm. I hate Nelly too. I've had Nelly. I've had Leonard Skinner, you know, shit like that. Stuff that doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're going to see a show that appeals to you, and it's uh, an easy drive for you. You rent a car for that drive to Pittsburgh? Oh, yeah. You're, we're talking about two different shows. Uh, Everclear's by my house, literally in the town I live in. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the show that I'm taking my uh, cousin's stuff to is Rage Against the Machine, the Tom Morello. You've seen yeah. him before on uh, Bill Maher. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I'm driving to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's yeah. like four and a half hours. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a rental car to that to avoid mileage on mine. There you go. All right, brother. Well, go save some lives. We don't want you to be late. Yep, I got to go. Are you yeah, all right? Finish the story out. Think about who you're going to make Tooch blow. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Mr. Tooch is going to go for that, but I'll try. <laughs> I, I didn't get to talk any bears. Yeah, well, we'll talk bears now, Tooch, before we sign off. Uh, all right. Yeah, all right. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. All right, Tooch. Yeah. Let's hear it, man. What'd you think? You heard every single sound bite. Let's close the show off by uh, talking a little bears. And if you want to get any, right. yeah. advice, I know that you kind of on uh, hiatus right now with that. Yeah. But, uh, if you've got anything that you want to share, yeah. uh, go awesome. for it. What'd you think about what you heard at the, uh, the combine, excuse me, the mini camp interviews? Oh, lots of stuff. You know, I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of like key, uh, players and stuff that have to come through for this season to be, you know, uh, considered uh, a step, either success or a step in the right direction. And, and obviously the one who's getting all the headlines is of course, number one, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and all of the uh, talk with, you know, how he's getting along with uh, Luke Getze and how he's, you know, getting along with uh, Mooney mm -hmm. and, uh, and all that. But meanwhile, like lurking, you know, uh, not too far from the surface is, you know, the offensive line and defensive line questions, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, like in the chat room, everyone was mentioning the right guard position, of course, you know, and uh, we, we won't be able to to piss off the bartender anymore. But with Dakota Dozier talk, because he's injured, he got injured yesterday or today was yesterday. Yeah, well, at today's so, practice, yeah, carted off the field. So we don't know how serious right. it is. But, you know, when you're carted off the field, that's not good. Right. So uh, he was probably going to get cut anyways. You know, I want to say I'm sure you probably agree with that. I agree. Uh, uh, Olin Krutz uh, is, pu is pushing hard for Sam Mustafer to be uh, in the starting five. But, uh, I, I mean, I, man, I, I just remember Sam Mustafer getting blown up all the time last season. I don't know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but that right guard position, man, I mean, that's that's in the back of Bears fans' minds, you yeah. know? Uh, it is, and I, and Jordan says the Tevin Jenkins story and most of the other stuff about camp thus far is mostly a no story. I don't know, uh, Jordan. I'm hoping that you're right, but it is, as I said at the top of the show, and Tooch, I'd love your thoughts on this, the fact that Tevin hasn't been, you know, a guy that management has said, okay, we found our right tackle. Yeah, he or or right guard or whatever position, and and he, we don't need to put him in a second team. We don't need to look at anybody else. This this is the guy. Now, I understand, you know that, you know, 
they still probably would have done it this way just to make sure to, to see what it is they got because so many of these guys uh, are kind of positionless, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but there is some versatility. You know, Jenkins can play or has played uh, each of the tackle positions in college and can play inside and so forth. So I understand that they're looking around, but the fact is that that's four straight practices where he's been with the seconds, and it looks like it's going to be six straight practices with the seconds. I don't know, man. That raises an eyebrow. What do you think, Tooch? Well, I mean, it's either one of two things. It's it's nothing or it's a Jalen Johnson-type motivation tactic. You know, yeah. It's like, hey, man. I, I mean, Jordan, Jordan could probably tell you whether or not it's the zone running runs run scheme that the Bears are going to be running mm-hmm. is different than what Tem and Jenkins experienced at uh, Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Uh, different than what, what he was used to at Oklahoma State. I don't know if uh, if they ran the, the zone blocking scheme uh, there, but uh, I forget. I think it was uh, Ravi or, or Nomad in the chat room who said uh, that's a lot of conditioning, mm-hmm. you know, to run that. You know, you're out in space. You yep. know, a, a lot of pulling and get, you know getting after the block. You know, a run in full speed. So I mean, maybe Tevin Jenkins' conditioning isn't there. You know, it could be they just want to see other guys. You know, uh, but. Uh, yeah, a lot of people all the same. You know, we can't make any any snap judgments because you know they have put the they ran the same uh, zone. So uh, uh, you know that's it. Yeah, he's he's familiar with the scheme. You know, I I, I that I, I wouldn't read too much into it. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, and maybe maybe everyone is right, but I you know I've been through this enough to know that you know taking an optimistic viewpoint on stuff <laughs> always difficult for bears fans exactly <laughs> teach and i have seen a lot of fucking disasters Shit. with offensive <laughs> line and player personnel and losses right. and bad coaching and stuff I, you know I, I hear you it's it's better to not put too much emphasis on what is going on. It's guys in their underwear running around out there wearing helmets and, 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 and learning, you know, the installs of new plays and stuff. I get it. I totally get it, but. A mandatory I, mini camp starts, right. It's coming up. Right. And as far as we know, um, Robert Quinn probably won't be there. You know, he is his like $12 million contract. He could probably afford some fines if he doesn't want to be a part of uh, the more intense Eberflus practices, mm-hmm. you know, and not, not a lot. I mean, I, there's, there's talk. Uh, I don't think uh, uh, Al-Kadeen Muhammad was at a lot of that off season stuff either, you mm-hmm. know, so not really neither of them have, have been, uh, you know, the, and they're the two guys who are really going to be the, you know, the, the two ends, you know, that right. I assume they're the starters, Muhammad and Quinn, right? Gotta assume that there's, there's no other way around it now with Khalil gone. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the, so yeah, the, the, the the threat of a Robert Quinn holdout or trade that's there. A lot of people speculating that uh, Robert Quinn may want to not be a part of a rebuilding process, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, uh, he's 32, maybe wants a shot at a ring, you know, or so trade, trade me to, uh, you know, a Tampa Bay or, or a Buffalo, you know, or, you know, a Kansas city, you know, uh, people speculated, hey, let's trade uh, uh, Chris Jones, you know, stick Chris Jones in there at that three technique, man. I would be I wouldn't be too. Uh, I, I would, I'd be actually pretty, ha- pretty uh, jazzed if we were to get Chris Jones. I may mean, talk about disruptor. 
aside from Aaron Donald, I can't think of anyone who's 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 better than Chris Jones, you know, mm-hmm. that disrupting, you know, uh, being that disruptive factor uh, in the middle of the defensive line, you know, to mm-hmm. uh, get pressure up the middle. And then uh, uh, we got some good news is that uh, the bald fuck will be returning on uh, August uh, 13th. You know, we got we got a chance to to stick it to Nagy on uh, that preseason. Yeah, preseason can actually televise preseason. Oh, I didn't know that. It's nationally televised. Yeah, yep. NFL Network will have the, will carry the game nationally. Uh, it's a, a quadruple header, so four games. That one kicks off at noon. Chiefs visiting the Bears at Soldier Field. We got a little chance to to beat a beat on Nagy. That would be outstanding. I would. You know, that's maybe a ticket I might look into because. Any any opportunity that I can get to get with to get within Matt Nagy's ear, and yeah, so I, can so I, was, I, I was just about to ask you what kind of reception you think he's going to get yeah. when he comes out on the field, Aldo. Yeah. Warm, cold, uh, loud. Uh, it's going to be uh, ice being thrown at <laughs> direction. There's no doubt about it. I wouldn't throw my drink at him, but I, I throw the, <laughs> the the plastic cup at him. Um. Yeah, that that'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to that. Who who else did they got in the preseason? This Chiefs and uh, do you got that schedule in front of oh, you? Oh my gosh, let me see. Uh, I could pull that up because this is a good this is a good season to go see a preseason game uh, because there's so many second and third stringers that you, you want. The uh, Chiefs is actually the uh, first preseason game. Okay, okay, so right out right off the bat, leading off with Nagy. Nice, you know, you know uh, uh, bring the rotten tomatoes and rotten eggs. To the mm-hmm. soldier field. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Seahawks. Uh, uh, go, uh, that's in Seattle. Uh, okay. And then you got the Browns, who I think we play almost every year in the yeah. season, right? That's in Cleveland. Yeah. And then uh, we only have three preseason games. So that's right. That's right. Uh, regular season starts uh, uh, two weeks after that last preseason game mm-hmm. with uh, uh, the the 49ers. And mm-hmm. I think we're we're at San Francisco for that one, right? We're on the we open up on the road. Open on two, the road. Two and, games, right, on the road? Is it two games? Let me see. I guess. Oh, no, okay. San Francisco's at home. Sorry. My, yeah. my bad. 49ers at home, and then the yep. Packers, uh, prime time, yep. Sunday night football on the road. Right. I actually kind of like having the Packers right out. I mean, early. I mean, that's when they, 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 they're kind of a slow starter team. Yes. You yes, know? You're absolutely right. Historically, For, uh, last 10, 15 years, they have been a slow starting team. What I don't like is that every time they play the Packers on national TV, it's in Green Bay. When was the last yeah. time there was a Green Bay Chicago okay. national television? So, text, text Dan. <laughs> he would yeah, know. He would know. Yeah. Well, actually, the Khalil Max first game with the Bears, wasn't that in Chicago? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But outside of that, it's actually Dan that planted in my head that. You know, so many, so often, they're, they're, the Packers nationally televised games are in, uh, are in Green Bay. Jordan says uh, season one hundred opener. There you go. Thank you. Um, so, um, you know, if if there wasn't so many question marks about the Bears' offensive line and the fact that they're installing a whole new offense, a whole new defense, yep. that. It's going to take a while for the chemistry between wide receivers and Justin Fields to develop and so forth. Stop. It, You're making too much sense. <laughs> yeah. Stop. If, 
if it wasn't because of all those things, I could see the Bears getting off to a five and zero start, I beating know. San Francisco at home, beat, upsetting the Packers on Sunday Night Football, beating the Texans, the Giants, the Vikings, the Washington Football Team. I could see the first third of the season being victories, but there's just so many question marks. This team is developing that it's hard to see them getting off to a really good uh, start uh, to start things off. We still have the element of surprise, and we have, like I said, I think I said last week or the week before, it's it's an easy schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of scary teams on there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like you have the Giants, the Falcons, the Jets, the Commanders, the Lions twice. I don't I don't know how good the Vikings are going to be. You know, they might not be that great either. They have a new coaching staff as well. That's right. You know, they're going to be breaking in the new new coaching staff. They've got uh, some players. I mean, that offense yeah. is stacked. Dalvin yeah. Cook, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. The only thing that stops Dalvin Cook is injuries and play calling. That, that's it. Yeah. You know, and I'm I still think Adam Thalen has a lot left on his on, in the gas. And yeah. uh, this kid Justin Jefferson, he's a he's superstar. A stud. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I liked him coming out of the draft. I wish we had gotten him. I was sad to see him go to the bikes. Like, damn it, mm-hmm. we're gonna he's gonna be trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, against the Bears uh, twice a year, but yeah, it's uh, you know a lot, lots of. I mean, like every Bears off season, there's no shortage of question marks. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Absolutely, right? absolutely too. I mean, like, I mean, we love Darnell Mooney, man. We love the kid, but I mean, like, it's true. We have to see him, you know, up against number ones every week. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who's going to step up next? to Byron Pringle. You know, is it Velas Jones? You know, that's a lot. That those are question marks, man. Yeah. You know, we got we got Equinemius, we got Dante Pettis. I mean, none of these guys are. You know, they're not they're not scaring uh, opposing defenses. You know, I'm sorry. There's <laughs> a reason why they were right? tier two or tier three free agent acquisitions. You know, and yep. we're talking Tajay Sharp and Dante Pettis. It's not like. You know, uh, the, the, when free agency started, that their agent was fielding a lot of calls. Right. <laughs> was, can can you the, blame polls, though? I mean, no. He, yeah, I mean, because like ne- really next year is when they're going to have all the cap space, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and exactly. and uh, th- this year he's like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put a competitive team out there. You know, it may not be, you know, like uh, a top tier talent. It's a lot of players that uh, are proving it, one-year deals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They better be fucking hungry, you know, and, and stuff. But, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, it, 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 Aldo and I have been Bears fans for a long time, and it's always usually the offensive and defensive lines that are question marks, man. We're always. You know, yeah. we've never had a quarterback, so now it's just like we have one here. We're kind of like, you know, uh, sick. Of, I'm, I'm sick of hearing all the doubts. Like, oh, Justin Fields not that bad. You know, it's like – his passes are so inaccurate. Come on, he's a rookie. You know, I mean, what were people saying about? I hate to go back to this, but Troy Aikman was one in fifteen. Mm-hmm. It's for people weren't complaining when he won, you know, back to back Super Bowls. You know, <laughs> exactly. so I mean, uh, yeah. And then uh, you know, you, you've got uh, uh, a lot of a lot of questions of uh, as you go into uh, all the all these questions. You know, a lot of rookies have to step up. You know, you have two. Mm-hmm. Two brand new secondaries, uh, two guys in the secondary mm-hmm. you know, who, who have to step up, rookies. Uh, two second-year offensive linemen who have to step up. You know, if we're gonna, even, you know, otherwise Fields gonna be running for his life. Mm-hmm. You know? so, yeah, 
exactly. Uh, and I know that the offense is going to be get rid of the ball quickly and so forth. But yeah, let's face it. You know, a, a receiver is covered. You need good protection. Yeah, you need to. You know, this offensive line is 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 scary. I like some of the talent they have, and I think that there's great possibilities. Just yeah. like with the wide receiver team uh, unit, I think there's some very interesting names. You've been heralding the possibility that Equinemia St. Brown could have that breakout season. And I, and I agree with you. It's, it's possible, but there are no sure things on this team. There's nothing, even Justin Fields. And I know that the, that he looked great at Ohio state. I know what he did on those splash plays with the bears that he runs around on the San Francisco 49ers looks outstanding. He's got a deep ball and so forth. But there, there isn't any sustained success yet at the NFL level for so many of the players that the Bears need in order to succeed this season. Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, you name it, over and over and over again. There's so many players on this roster. So anyone that is like convinced that they're going to be an 11-12 win team, I, I, I wish I had that same conviction. That's all I'll say. That's yeah, all I'll say. We got to be extremely happy with what they've done to the secondary. You know, Tavon Young is going to hopefully, I think he'll play the slot corner. I think you know, he, he was there, yeah. He should. I mean, he's excellent on the Ravens. You know, one of the better slot corners, nickel cornerbacks in the in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we're automatically going to be better there. Javon Brisker, you know, and and Kyler Gordon are going to make us better at their respective spots. Uh, mm-hmm. That that. Nickelback has been a problem for for quite a while, you know. So we had, we've had like you know Duke Shelley and Kendall Vilder and uh, Buster Scrine, you know. Just get it, but we haven't really had a, a decent guy there since Bryce Callahan. Although Callahan was, you know, injured uh, quite a bit, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think that that Young will probably be uh, uh, solidify that that nickel spot, you know. At least I'm, I'm hoping, you know, and then. Uh, Man, uh, let's let's address Jordan's question here. Uh, yeah. The question is, how much of that success was washed away because of Nagy and his coaching staff uh, the last two? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. But the, you got to also factor this in, right? Tooch is the roster is different than what Nagy yeah. had. There's no, there's no Akeem Hicks. There is no Khalil Mack. There are, are other key players that, who were good players. They're, they're gone now. And so this is a whole retool. And so Matt Nagy had nothing at all to do with Bayless Jones, nothing at all to do with some of the guys who are going to start on the offensive lines, nothing at all to do with Muhammad, the defensive end, nothing at all to do with the two rookies in the, in the secondary like you were just talking about, Tooch. So we, we can't excuse – we, we, it's hard for me to buy that argument that Nagy, it's Nagy's fault. And this is a whole new team. And what, what fucked up things in the past was Nagy's fault. But you can't say that now that Nagy is gone, everything yeah, is going to I agree. I, I agree. Although I mean, uh, Ryan Poles has done his best to erase Nagy, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, uh, with all these offseason moves. Mac is gone. That was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, you got rid of like arguably some people say our best defensive player. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know it, it takes some balls, you know, to 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 get rid of a star like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then you know, uh, Allen Robinson gone. Mm-hmm. You know, another could have been arguably our best offensive player. Yeah, you know, I would have loved to have seen Robinson play with get under Getzi's offense. Yeah, 
a big receiver yep. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Donald makes a good point. Question marks are not weaknesses. Absolutely right. But they're still question marks, right? Yeah. Uh, Jordan goes on to say, but does white hair rebound? Does Borum look solid without stupid scheme issues? Does Justin get to actually boot without running straight into Komet or Herbert going the wrong way? Great, 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 great point. question. Great, yeah. great points. They're going to be better coached, and so those issues right there should not happen again. But there's still some other issues that I have concerns about. I mean, that the offense was just so bad. And this is a perfect example, like right here. Was the offense was just so badly coached. You mm-hmm. had guys who didn't know where to go, you know? <laughs> like why? I don't know. Wide receivers, all they did was run curls. Curls, you yeah. All, all the time. It's like I thought Nagy was supposed to be some offensive innovator. His After offense that- was just so, it's so predictable. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like I don't know who sold that to us. Was it Andy Reid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, right. if it was, fuck that guy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I think I think Quinn did missed mandatory uh, workouts because he knew he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. And when he spent some time here at at Hallis Hall, and uh, I think he realized, yeah, this, I don't care what Ryan Paul says, this is a fucking rebuild, and I don't want to be a, a part of a fucking rebuild. Get yeah, that- out of here. You know, this and this story is relatively recent, you know, but it had to have been simmering in the background, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, today, today's uh, it blew up, you mm-hmm. know, with uh, uh, you know, uh, the whole the whole story of you know, and all the possibilities of what might happen trade, uh, hold out, uh, forcing a trade, you know, not going to show up for mini camp, mm-hmm. show, you know, hold show up for training camp, you know, he's got 12.8 million reasons to show up for training camp. Right. Yeah. He wants to play. That's you know that that's good. A lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, at least to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe he doesn't care. But I would think twelve point eight million reasons are are good enough. Yeah, I I, I find those compelling reasons. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Every single one of them. Lero <laughs> uh, was asking me about uh, uh, polls. Yeah, I, 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 it wasn't that I didn't like him. I was like, I my thing is like I'm so I'm so. Uh, like I probably like Aldo. I'm just so jaded over uh, the Bears always hire these guys who are doing the job for the first time. Yeah, you know, like uh, Ryan Pace, and I, I didn't like. I mean, I, I would have liked to have had my. I wanted Chris Ballard because he's the guy who's in. He was already in the building. You know, uh, he he, he uh, uh, probably you know knew how you know business was done at House Hall, but you know they went with a, a kid you know that didn't have much experience at all. Man, that. I mean, Pace was young. I don't think he was 40 yet when we hired him. He was like, what, 37, mm-hmm. 36 years old maybe when we hired him. I mean, that's kind of young, man. 36, yeah. I think yeah 36 was, years yeah. old, you know, running a running a, a, a an NFL franchise. I remember I, I was like – I remember reading a story about like someone interviewing Pace about what he's doing. You know, I was like, well, I just go in. I put my headphones on and watch some film. You know, I was like, dude, come on. <laughs> You're running an NFL franchise. You're going to sit there at- – at a computer with headphones on watching film, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on, you got other stuff to do, to do but uh, right. I mean, to, to talk to your scouts, maybe watch, you know, film with everybody on your staff, mm-hmm. you know, so you're getting the whole input, which I think is what uh, uh, Ryan Poles is doing. But I got to tell you, I mean, I, I'm kind of impressed with the guys that got going right now. I, I mean, Ryan Poles, uh, uh, my concern was that, you know, he, yeah. Good night, uh, Mr. Shorty. Uh, uh, Mr. Shorty, it was a pleasure. Yeah. 
Dan he, he, at, at first he left me out. He was like, I just love Dan and Aldo. And no mention of Tooch. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tooch hits cleanup here, man. He brings he, he brings the show to a stop with his uh, analysis. So. Man, I, and Poles is a young guy too, but man, I, his his moves seems, seem a lot more wiser and a lot more mature. Yes. I got to tell you, he's getting rid of uh, – Getting rid of all of the uh, uh, pace detritus, you know, it's the bad contracts. I mean, he's really he he's really uh, pace painted him into a corner. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be honest with the salary cap and with these horrible contracts, yeah. you know, we're we're still paying guys that aren't even on the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, that were when pace signed them, they were past their prime. Yeah, uh, the Ogan the Ogunjobi stuff. Uh, Cliff mentioned Ogunjobi here. Which, would we have loved? Would, would Aldo and I love to have had Ogan, a healthy Ogan Joby playing three technique? Yeah, but I mean, uh, Greg Greg Gabriel today when I was listening to the show, uh, when was was that show? Was that Monday? That was last Thursday. Last Thursday. Okay, yeah. so he explained the Ogan Joby thing perfectly. Yeah. If you get a chance, listen to the last Greg Gabriel thing. He's like, the Bears doctors, you know, knew that they couldn't let the contract go through because they didn't like something with the knee. Right. You know, so it's not it's not Pole's fault. Right. You know, Poles wanted a guy that looked great on film. His knee wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, well, later on, will his knee, you know, be healed enough for the bear, for him to pass a Bears physical? I don't know. Prop maybe. Right. You know, the only issue that I have, and I don't know if this is Poles' for, fault or the NFL or, or, or whatever, is the contract is signed on Monday or there's an agreement to the contract and the physical doesn't take place for three or four days. And that's when they find out and all of a sudden our hearts are, are crushed. And Poles himself admitted that during those three days, they had lost out on other players that they would have targeted if they had known that Ogunjobi's uh, physical wasn't going to pass. So why was that there that delay between that handshake agreement and that physical? Why why did three, four days happen? Was that a Poles mistake? Was that an NFL rules thing? Was it just... Yeah, it's a great question. Whatever. And, I, and the guys didn't, didn't play in the playoffs because of the injury. So the first thing right. I'd want to know is how is that fucking ankle? We need to take a yeah. look at it even before we make an announcement. Yeah. Uh, and Jordan, I mean, Jordan, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with Jordan because he's right too. He's also right. You know, if, uh, if, if we uh, missed out on Ogan Joby, why didn't we target some of the, the defensive tackles in the draft? I don't think did we, we didn't draft one. Did we uh, defensive tackle? No, no. Right. So I mean, uh, either they, uh, I mean, and Jordan, I'll agree with Jordan because he's going to say there were guys there, man. And when mm-hmm. we picked, we went other, we went other directions, and and I'm not going to disagree with that. Would I would have loved to have seen him take one of those guys that uh, that Jordan uh, uh, mentioned too. I'm right there with you, Jordan. Yeah, Thomas Booker, which you know, Jordan uh, has been uh, pounding the table on for months. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and that that could be a mistake. We could we could say you know uh, uh, a polls. You know he should have done so, he should have done something to get something there. But uh, you know we end up with Justin Jones, who maybe may may or may not be you know that impact player at three technique. But uh, the guy that uh, um, Greg Gabriel's high on that will probably be playing a lot of three tech is Mario Edwards. Mario Edwards, yeah. You, you know he's 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 been a pretty good disruptor in there. So I mean that may that may be part of Poles thinking is that hey I've got Mario Edwards, you know he's going to play in there. Angelo Blackson, those guys, you know they're poor man's, you know Ogunjobis, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
And, and Laro makes a good point here. He says there's still some nice talent on the roster as well for yep. that position. Yeah, it's not it's, – it's, I don't think this team is devoid of talent at, at most of the position levels. I think offensive line is the biggest issue. There's a lot, just a lot of question marks there. And uh, even the that wide receiver room, you know, we don't have an Allen Robinson, an established star in that room, but – I think there's a lot of possibilities there. there. There's some talent there. So, you know, good things can happen, but there's there's still, you know, I just keep seeing a question mark. You know how the Riddler – it, it, it was Andy Reid, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it was Andy Reid. I hate that guy. You hate Andy? Really? I do now. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> he, fucking, he was probably just like, I'd get rid of this guy. Which, which, which franchise are the chumps? You know, fucking, uh, the Bears will take him. You know, they're no. looking for a head coach. They don't know yeah. jack shit. Fucking McCaskey? Come on. Right? <laughs> yeah. Cliff asked a good question. The Bears have to, the lowest salary in the NFL now. Is that good or bad? I think it's good. I think it's good. Fucking yeah. A. You know, uh, first of all, you got to sign Roquan, right? And you know that's going to be a big fucking fat contract, $100 million, yep. easy. So I think I would say probably 90%, maybe even more, Bears fans agree that you got to re-sign this guy. How, how, how do you feel on that? You think Roquan is a high-priority signing and that some of those dollars for next year go to him? Man, I you know, I'm kind of I'm split on this, although, you know, Okay. I'm like, uh, I don't know where he's gonna play. Is he gonna play the Will? Is he gonna play the Mike? Mm-hmm. You no, know, or or uh, uh, you know. And I also have in the back of my man, you can find linebackers, you know, second, third, fourth round guys mm-hmm. to play to play in this scheme, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. do we need to spend on people love love Roquan? You know, I I don't know. Like sometimes there's kind of Roquan things that Roquan does. You know, mm-hmm. like with the contract. Oh, his mom negotiates his contract. And mm-hmm. there's a weird, he disappeared. He had some mental health issues and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like, I mean, I can't remember all the things that happened. We were like, what is this weird shit that Roquan was, what's up, you know? I don't know. There's been a couple instances that kind of like make me go, hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, people say he'll play, uh, he'll play uh, the will, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if that if that's the case, then yeah, I mean, like, uh he, you know he, he's gonna he's gonna be great at that position. You know you're gonna have what, Nicholas Morrow playing middle linebacker, I think, right? Yep. In, in that in that case, uh, it's in that case, yeah, uh, Roquan has to play that will, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which a great position for him in this in this defense because uh, he can roam around and do some nasty things. And uh, so, uh, listen. One other issue that I think it's important for us Bears fans to be realistic about. Yeah, we're going to have about $100 million in free agents uh, in, uh, in cap space next season. But there, the roster is going to be back down to about 25. So you need to sign a whole bunch of players and you need to re-sign Roquan. If you think he's the guy, you need, you need to have money ready for Darnell Mooney. You know, you need to have money for Justin Fields. There's many guys on your team 
that that money is already going to go to. So I keep seeing people bragging on social media about wow. oh, cap space for the Bears next season and so forth. And I think to myself, that's like going to fucking Vegas with a big wad of dollars, and then also knowing you gotta you gotta fucking pay for your hotel room. This is not all gambling money. You gotta pay for food. You gotta yeah. pay for hookers. You gotta pay for all this stuff. <laughs> we 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 only have. I mean, it's the same. It might be the same story as this offseason. Only we'll have more money because although you're absolutely right, because they only have what 20, 23 guys mm-hmm. under contract when we started this whole polls offseason. Right, right. For the, this first his first offseason. Mm-hmm. And next season might be right. It might be the same. We might see the same movie next offseason. Yep. The whole thing will be like whose polls gonna spend it on? How much is he gonna spend? Mm-hmm. You know, because there are players maybe they want to sign uh, that are already on the roster. You mentioned as people mentioned, uh Darnell Mooney's gonna need a contract, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Roquan Smith is gonna uh, either get extended this year, right? Right. Would you, would you think it'd be this year? I mean, yeah, I think I think that that contract. Oh, I I think the Bears want to f- have that contract signed by the middle of the season. Uh, right. So, and, and a team friendly deal, like yes. team friendly, like Bears team friendly deal is a little different than other team friendly. Deals. <laughs> yes, that's right. right? <laughs> Don't forget about the man government. <laughs> Um, so, you know, people are asking, so when are they going to spend this money that they have? I think that the money, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that they've got this huge spreadsheet that they put on a projector on a wall and so forth. And they say, okay, we're going to give, yep. you know, $25 million a year to work on. We're going to, we've got to have Darnell money for 2023. We're going to have oh, yeah. Justin Fields. And so all of that money is going to be, and, and, and the time to spend like a drunken sailor, AKA the Rams is when you have that nucleus of players when yeah. and then that way you can trade draft picks and you can spend heavily on free agents because you just need to add those other little pieces but you still also there was a great article in, in uh by uh Brant, not Brant, Andrew Brant, who used to be the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, he talked about how it is that the Rams are able to spend all this money despite the fact that they are at cap levels and so forth. It's because they keep deferring the money over and over. But he said one interesting thing about the plan is that they have to continue to draft smart. They need to continue to find the Cooper Cups in the third round because that allows them to lower the cap. Uh, and uh, so a lot of things have to happen right in order for this team to th- turn things around quickly. And uh, and that starts with drafting well and developing these players quickly and, and then uh, using the money that you do have judiciously uh, because you don't want to sign bad contracts. You know, when you look back at it, the Khalil Mack contract was not good for business. It just wasn't. You know, neither was the draft picks we traded away either, you know? Yeah. Like I said, that's why I said pace kind of painted us into a corner. Right. You know, but uh, Roquan, I I think this is, he's playing on the last year of his deal. Is that right? This is the last year. Yeah. I think they, they picked up the option. uh, So this should be the last year. Yeah. Could you see Roquan Smith holding out before training camp? I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, know, it, it could happen. Hell, it could happen. He was at I'm, camp today, so that's a good sign. Jordan right. says that was the issue with Pace, although he took Rams like money swings, but then failed to get good depth and plenty of draft picks to fill the roster in key roles. You nailed it, Jordan. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I'm super excited about this season because, you know, 
I think this season could be a very successful year for the Bears, even if they don't play 500 ball. As long as we see the individual development, as long as we see the team playing hard under that uh, Eberflus leadership, as long as we see Jordan uh, Justin Fields making huge uh, gains in his uh, 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 progress, the footwork, the accuracy, the leadership, if those things happen, hell, I'll take a 6-11 a and 11 season knowing that 2023 is our start of a long playoff run. Uh, so – I'm looking at it that way. You have uh, Justin Fields on a rookie contract to playing on a, on a playoff team. That's even better. Oh, you know, be yeah. like, that's like Russell Wilson on the Seahawks, you know, mm-hmm. type, mm-hmm. Uh, type monies there, you know. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, like like Jordan says, or uh, Cliff says here, like, could you see Roquan getting franchise tag, yeah. you know, go through the whole Allen Robinson thing, you know? Yes, because I don't think the franchise amount for a linebacker is is that high. Um, so it wouldn't break no. the bank. It's not like, you know, when they franchised Allen Robinson last year, it was right. $18 million. I don't, I don't think a linebacker would make that much money if he's franchised. So that's a possibility. But, boy, you hate to do that with any of your players. You know, they get upset about it. It just adds to, uh, you know, uh, unhappiness with the squad. And I agree with Bear Truth Nine. I think he is underrated. He's got all the skills. There is something mysterious though about Roquan having his mom as the agent, as as Tooch said, and uh, the mysterious uh, missing a game. Uh, it never been un, uh, revealed why, what happened there. So, Laro says I have uh, a weird feeling the Bears are really good, have really good coaching all around to enhance development, man, and that is yeah. that is key. That is Definitely. key. If these guys are really the good teachers, I missed that, Laro. <laughs> <laughs> the last one, I was like, "What the fuck are these guys doing? They're horrible, man." Yeah. Well, right. The last time we saw a really good coaching staff was Tressman. Excuse me, uh, not Tressman. No, uh, was Nagy's first year. He had a, a yeah. decent offensive coordinator. Who was who was the offensive coordinator his first year? Oh no, it was that. No, never mind what I'm saying. We he had, had uh, Vic Fangio, right, as the defensive corner, which of course made the team. I mean, he was the Buddy Ryan uh, of of the team. Uh, uh, that's why they got into the playoffs because of Fangio and his his defense. And Helfrich was there as uh, thank you, Jordan, for pointing out it was Mark Helfrich as the offensive coordinator. Helfrich was there right, just right. to add some ideas on college plays, and, 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 and he didn't call plays. He didn't have any ownership at all of, over the offense. See, you know, that, that always bothered me. I'm like, you're, you're hired as the head coach, but Nagy was like, you know, they hired me as a head coach. I never got to be an offensive coordinator, though. Exactly. I, I want to do – I want to still be the offense. You know, I, I never got I, – I jumped and went right to head coach. Mm-hmm. I would like to try offensive coordinator. Do you mind if I, yeah. you know, call plays and be the head coach? Yeah. You know, that was horrible, horrible decision. You know? One of the reasons I really like Eberflus is he is designated yep. the former defensive coordinator with the Colts. He has designated Allen Williams as the defensive coordinator. He stays out of his hair. Williams is installing his own defense based on a lot of Eberflus uh, principles, but it's his his defense, and um, and and. Eberflus is taking more of the CEO approach, overseeing all three units. I think that's the type of coach I want in today's NFL. Kind of like what Bill Belichick does, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, he had like, you know, he has like Romeo Cornell and Matt Patricia, all these, you know, uh, uh, guys running. I forget what the, what was that other guy? Joe Judge guy? before he got the head coaching yeah. job. Eric Mangini. All these guys went on to be, you know, uh, uh, something in, in the league, you know. And finally, now, now his offensive coordinators were getting jobs too like josh mcdaniels mm-hmm. uh all that stuff and then uh if, if you go look at looking at green bay your guy got uh signed his uh his tender offer alan lazard mm-hmm. you know man i'm wondering man if like that guy might explode in fantasy he football. is going you know, to it's it's, like... well he had 11 touchdowns <laughs> last season uh, Pooch. so now yeah. he just need you know without Devonte adams on the field uh yeah. rogers rogers has already called him the number one receiver on the yeah. draft chart yeah, to me, he's a, a third-round pick on fantasy. Yeah, that'll be a good pick if people are playing fantasy football. I think yep. you know, that'll be a good, good uh, pick. Uh, yeah, know, that, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you: is if how would you rank the fantasy football players on the Chicago Bears? Would you take Montgomery ahead of Darnell Mooney, or how how would you rank those guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the 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 two top players on the bears for fantasy football are Mooney and Montgomery. I probably would, I go Mo- Montgomery first just because running backs get, you know, rushing mm-hmm. and receiving yards, mm-hmm. but Mooney would be a pretty good pick too. As a, as a, like a second or third wide receiver on your roster, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, uh, but uh, as far as like the top wide receiver overall, it would probably be Cooper cup, you know, just, he was just unstoppable. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, number one running back is going to be, of course, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. You know, he just exploded last year. Uh, you know, uh, and then uh, number one quarterback will probably be Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. It might be Mahomes, but I mean, Mahomes doesn't have the receivers. Like he still has Travis Kelsey. After that, he's got like Juju Smith-Schuster. Might be pretty good with Mahomes throwing him the ball. But uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, Montgomery is a good fantasy player. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, I think I think you can't go wrong. Like Jordan listed them here: Fields, Mooney, Herbert, uh, Montgomery, and Komet. I might, I might, uh, I, I think Komet should be a starting a starting tight end on most fantasy football teams. He's not. He's probably not your top uh, top five or top six. But if I'm waiting on tight ends because I want to bolster running backs and, and wide receivers, uh, and I end up with Komet in round seven or eight on my fantasy football team, I'd be happy because I think he's going to catch about 75 balls. The problem is, is he is he going to get into the end zone more uh, frequently than he has in the past? He had zero touchdown catches. Yeah, zero. He had a lot of red zone targets, though. Uh, you know, not, not for my taste. <laughs> and nope, every time yeah. they threw to, to Jimmy Graham in the red zone, I was like, "Why? Why, Jimmy yeah. Graham? Really? Why? Is he even in the league now? Uh, as as he hasn't retired, Jimmy Graham is out there somewhere. If the Bears sign him, I I, I will I, I will become a Packers fan. <laughs> I'm hope. I mean, the Packers the Packers don't really use the tight end that much. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they haven't. The, 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 the historically they haven't used the tight end as much. They haven't. Yeah, Tanya had a bunch of yeah. What was the name Mark of the Titan? Yeah, Keith no, that Jackson. Was the yeah, but they had the uh, geez, what was the guy's name? He was big t- tight end in uh Ro- Rogers' early years. But in any case, yeah, but since then, yeah, the, the 
tight end position that Aaron Rodgers rarely uses it nowadays. Maybe Luke Getze is more for using the, the tight end, you know? Yeah. Although Robert Tanyan two seasons ago did have a 10-touchdown season. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't have a lot of receptions, but he was used in the red zone a lot. And yep. uh, and he's back this season, so he might be somebody to keep an eye on for fantasy purposes. But I, I like yeah. Komet, uh as a fantasy tight end sleeper. I, I do expect some good things out of him. Let's let's say one more time. The kid's only like 23 years old. He's going to be 23 this season. So uh, uh, Jordan says Komet can be like Jeremy Ruckert for, for Fields. I take that. Hell yeah. Um, all right, my brother. Uh, anything yeah, you want to yeah. plug? Uh, what's going on in the plugging world? Uh, you know, I've been – you know, it's, it's been – NBA finals have been, you know uh, – pretty straightforward you know they've been trading games back and forth you know mm-hmm. and uh if you're gonna bet one side or the other it's been pretty straightforward as well the the favorite when the favorite has won they've covered mm-hmm. you know so whether whether if it's six if the spread is six uh points or less the favorite has covered like every time and when it's uh the the team who's not the underdog has won they've mm-hmm. won outright and that, mm-hmm. that record is 73-0-2, and it happened again. Golden State won, and they covered. You know, it hasn't been like where Golden State won and Boston covered. You know, that hasn't happened. You know, it's just a, a thing with the playoffs. But uh, uh, last, uh, you know, last time, I mean, it didn't really go to script. It's been, you know, Boston has won like usually the first and second quarters and or first or second quarter, uh, mostly the second quarter quarter by halftime boston has won you know uh, been winning and then mm-hmm. the third quarter golden state has won like every third quarter in this series mm-hmm. but it didn't happen that way this past game you know when i went opposite of script so it's been tough I, i've been mostly just uh going with a, a prop play for a player to do something you yeah know, i find that that's how that, that, that to me is the easiest way to make some money you know whether it's steph curry three pointers or points or jason tatum points or uh jalen brown has been a pretty good bet you know, getting uh, either whether it's rebounds or points. And then uh, Andrew Wiggins has also been really good. had a huge game last game. All right, goodness. Uh, yes. So uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I'm on the Lightning. I, I think the Lightning are going to win uh, – uh, uh, Go uh, will win the, the Stanley Cup again. I just think they're the stronger team with more experience. They have the better goalie, yeah. better goalkeeping. Uh, Cliff Victoria says NBA, uh, you know uh, – Going to seven, that I, I always thought it was going to go seven. That game seven will be freaking incredible if it does. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Boston has to win now. You know, I mean, this next game, you know, or they're out. That's it. Game That's six. It. Yeah. Yep. So they got to uh, get corrected there because the momentum yeah. is really on the Warriors side. They won the last two, and and then they they Warriors win yep. this last game with uh, Stephen uh, uh, Curry had not having a good uh, shooting night. So uh, yeah. that's not good news for the Celtics. Yep, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, like, like I said, baseball is super hard to bet on. I've been pretty, I've been getting pretty lucky recently. I've been, trying, I've been only betting like a couple games here and there. You know, I bet the Yankees the past couple times they're beating up on the Cubs. Mm-hmm. You know, that was easy money. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, them. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Yankee, the Yankees are stacked. Mm-hmm. You know, this year, um, and then uh, tonight I bet on the Cardinals both games that they, they uh. They want they swept the Pirates tonight. That was you know the Pirates are one of the worst teams in baseball. So uh, the Cardinals always have a really competitive team. Um, 
And then tonight, uh, I've got a money line parlay with Giants and Dodgers. They're up. They're all winning by one run each. So hopefully that comes through. But only bet like three games tonight. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with Laro. By the way, fire Tony Larusa like yesterday. And they won tonight, though. I think the Sox. Yeah, yeah, five to one over the Tigers. Of course, they're beating up on the Tigers. Yeah, exactly. You know, but. Exactly. Um, but I've seen enough of Tony Larusa to know that. I wonder if Don Burr's the Tigers fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think he right? is. He's probably. Is he? uh, okay. Yeah. Fuck I'm, you, Don Burr. We won. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I think he loves all his Detroit teams. Okay. Things, uh, yeah. Every, Everybody in Detroit, he's a fan of. Um, so this Aaron, Aaron Judge, someone here talking about the Rick, the uh, the Yankees home run record this year, and I was like, Ooh. I saw someone. I, I've won on Aaron Jones uh, or Aaron Judge uh, home run prop a couple times. Where I took Aaron Jones to hit a home run in a game, and he accidentally hit it a couple times. He's hit so many. He's got like he's almost like thirty home runs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, I saw someone's ticket. Where it was during the Cubs game over the weekend, mm-hmm. and I thought about doing it. I was like, I take Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo. And Stanton all hit home runs, and like a hundred bucks paid like ten thousand dollars. All three guys hit a home run in that game. Wow. Too. I think an, a, another guy hit a home run too. Like it was like it was a massive payout for some folks. I was like, see, when you see those like uh, the winning tickets on uh, on Twitter with like someone bet like five hundred bucks and won eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, partly. But that like rarely ever happens, but man, yeah. would I love to hit one of those. Man. Oh my goodness, yes. But, yeah. All my problems are over. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, uh, Nomad says you're gonna have, about to have hookers in the church hustling for you. He's the dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. All right, John. Uh, all right. Uh, call the plug a- on this. You're working a- from Anthony home, and I are getting Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I, Wednesdays and Fridays I work from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, have to go in and uh, uh, I finally did something where my boss actually liked what I did. I'm like, oh, look man, at this. It's like, I, I can't please this guy, you know. It's like, <laughs> I've had bosses like that, yeah, you know. It's like, uh, you know, perfection, you know, you got to have be perfect, which is fine. Uh, finally, I mean, my, my job that I'm doing right now, making those magazines and stuff, it's like, it, I mean, it's like a three year learning curve, I gotta tell you, you know. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, finally starting to get the hang of it because I, I started working there and then we went into quarantine. I didn't get much training, so I figured out had to figure out the job on my own, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of work my way through it. But finally getting the hang of it where he's like actually kind of happy, you know, that with uh, the work I'm doing there. Good. So we'll Glad see. Glad to hear that. By and the then, way, uh, uh, who do you think this baby belongs to? Look at the size God. of this kid. What the hell, man. <laughs> Is that real? I don't, I don't know, man. It looks like an alien. It really fucking does. That cannot Jesus. be. That cannot be real. How big was that kid? Seventeen and a half pounds. Twenty-two Jesus inches Christ. long. It's Holy like fuck! Giant. Yeah. I mean, jeez. <laughs> you know, Anthony and I are working on putting together stuff for, you know, when when football seasons come around, we want to do like, want to do some stuff for barroom that was like, uh. uh Stuff that we do so you don't get in trouble, you know, wagering. It's like some rules to live by, you know. And Anthony and I are like putting some, you know, stuff together that we can roll out, you know. So if you follow some things, you know, just rules of thumb, you know, where you can be successful and stuff. So great. I uh, work on that and uh, college football, college basketball. That's when you want to like make some money, you know, college basketball, especially. Although that's like 
to me, that's where I can make the most money on. Oh, I remember you giving me those tips during college yeah. basketball season. You were on a so roll, man. That's right. uh, that's where I'm. And then NFL and college football, I think probably the next for me. But uh, uh, yeah, yep. All righty, man. I am ready for bed. Uh, yeah, me I too. Show and stuff. Well, so- I'm doing a fantasy football magazine right now. It's coming out for ESPN. Oh, uh, nice. I'll try and get you a copy and send it to you. Great, great. If not, I'll be looking for another fan. It's good. It's the ESPN one. It's got a lot of great tips. I was, you know, I can't help read it, but while I'm doing the magazine, but mm-hmm. I'll uh, try and get some copies and send them out. All right, all right. You're the man, Tooch. Yep. All right. Uh, I just want to let people know that tomorrow at two o'clock is uh, Bardon Hockey Talk. Uh, Vinny was on vacation last week, so he is back along with Frank Mueller to talk about the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, and then at 7 p.m., the Mac and Reed Show. Those guys will talk about the Bears and all the latest from Hallis Hall. And then at 9 p.m., it is Science Fliction with Celine. I got to go on Vinny Parisi's show sometime so we can talk Hanover Park Little League. Oh, he loved that. I knew him him when he was uh, just a pup. Yeah, I know. People people don't know the story. Yep, they were were some uh, uh, players ahead of my – a year older than my son. So I used to watch uh, watch the Parisi brothers play baseball when uh, I was coaching Hanover Park. Those guys are sports fanatics. Yes, right. they are. I yep. will, All right, Aldo. I will let you go, and uh, we'll let everybody go. And thank you very much for watching. Uh, let people know that they can watch the show on demand on YouTube or listen to the audio version on iTunes, Spotify, what have you. Just search for Barroom Network and the Dan and Aldo Baylor Soul Show with Johnny Santucci will be there. Good night, everybody. Thank you.